This is Gary Butterfield here, and if you usually fast-forward through these, please don't fast-forward through this one. I have two incredibly important announcements. First one, I, along with Nick Daniel, am launching the Kickstarter for my second book, Atomic, the second book in the Power Worlds series. Uh, By the time you're hearing this, uh, if you didn't get it on early release, the Kickstarter will be up. Um, look for social medias. The, you know, the link will be a gigantic string of gobbledygook. So I, uh, I don't have it handy right here, but follow me on Twitter. Uh, anyway, you should do that. I'm at G A R Y B U H and you'll see it. I will be talking about it on shows. I'll talk about it a little bit more. This is the second book in my fake, uh, worlds of power parody children's books this time based on fallout. Uh, I'm really excited and hopefully I can count on your help for that. Um, second big announcement, you know, if you had to, uh, to, I mean, I guess it's not an announcement, but I have some people to thank, um, patrons, uh, from patreon.com forward slash duck TV. So thank you very much, uh, to Brian, Sh- uh, Skirshka, uh, Emily Bracken, Timothy Long, Tim Steele, and Evan Noggle. Um, thank you guys very much. Um, and there is actually another announcement. If you stick around to the end of the episode, we announce where our live show is our second live show for the year is. So this is such an important uh, beginning thing. So if you guys fast forward through these, I can't help you. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to a very special episode of Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast, usually. <laughs> yes, this is a special episode about Nintendo Power making this a game magazine club. Um, so Nintendo Power, a magazine published by Nintendo of America from 1988 to 2007 and then handed over uh, to Future Press. Uh, or sorry to future us until uh 2012 this is still my heart (laughs) future for us yeah i know (sighs) one one comes out every two years it is 400 pages hardbound yeah yep and it's the most beautiful object in your library (laughs) um so so this is a, a poll winner um we do these kind of uh quarterly polls here if you are one of our patrons you get to vote if you go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeed tv uh, this one was on special topics. Uh, once a year, we kind of fell into a rhythm of doing a special topics episode. We've done uh, game books and Dungeons and Dragons and the like. And uh, this year, we let people choose between three different topics, uh, pinball, uh, Nintendo Power, and video game creation software. Um, both pinball and video game creation software will show up at some point. Yeah, I have um, a lot of energy for both of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this was the popular one. Uh, because this has, uh, you know, immense nostalgic appeal yeah. as 
as we will discover and explore. <laughs> it has immense nostalgic appeal, but this is also a fairly localized and constricted kind of thing. This is only published in America, and I know we have international listeners who are like, wait a minute, what? What is Nintendo Power? Um, and it was really only like that relevant for about 15 years or so. So you kind of have to have been born around when and where we were born to really dig this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... It's a huge deal, though. Oh, yeah. Like, you, it, it is a U.S.-only thing, but, like, 15 years makes it sound... Like, it, it, it's a really, really huge deal. Mm -hmm. And, like, uh, like a circulation that was, you know, rivaled, you know, most magazines. Yeah. Like, it, it was such a big deal. Uh, but it is, you know, it is globally kind of localized here. Mm -hmm. But there is, like, an equivalent. Yes. Um, so we're going to talk specifically about Nintendo Power, but there is kind of, you know, same way that there's, like, Captain Britain yeah. and Captain France and stuff. There's, you know, <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Really? Oh yeah, there's Captain yeah, yeah. France. <laughs> um, there's an at least in the Ultimates there is. Okay. Um, and there's definitely a Captain Britain. He led Excalibur. Okay. Um, the uh, but yeah, the same way you know, there's kind of this this franchise. There's a a version kind of made by some of the same people, uh, the same kind of thing, or if not, just kind of an equivalent. Yeah. Um, let's do let's do our special topic uh, disclaimer real quick. Yes. I'll get that in before we do more generality. So like, um, there are experts in this stuff. Mm -hmm. that exist um it's frank Scaldi yeah. and the um and and his and his friends um we're not that nope um in preparation for this uh my my credentials for this my bona fides is uh i know that's alex pronounced i um <laughs> was being a nintendo power kid and reading probably like 10 issues kind of like flipping through mm -hmm. reading it reading about five and flipping through about 10 issues of them in preparation for this and then reading what i could find online yeah so, you know, they might miss some stuff. It is not going to be the kind of historical deep dive that you might get from one Frank Frankfurt Cipaldi, uh, but going to be more of a nostalgic kind of fun fest. Uh, and I think that we can bring some insight to the table as far as the value of video game magazines and the value of Nintendo Power specifically. Yes. Uh, personally and kind of uh, generally. Yeah. So this is a survey course, you know, please understand that it is that we have researched it. Um, you know, we can, you're probably going to see our, uh, resources in the show notes, um, yes. as we, uh, kind of reference particular things, but yeah, you know, uh, read about flip through about 40 of the issues, Gary, just because yeah. I went through the entire, the entire catalog that was available to me and just like, Oh, I, I like that cover. Ooh, that's a good game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're fun. They're fun to flip through. Yeah. You know, like you don't get as much reading them kind of cover to cover as flipping through them, but that is a function of what they were. Right. You know, like I don't need a need a guide for Faster's Quest right now. <laughs> I'm I'm full up. Um, <laughs> these are also this is one other thing. This is kind of limited by for me in doing research is that uh, Draconian Nintendo uh, took the most of the archives down. Yes. Um, if you go to retromags.com, you can find a bunch of them. I've mm -hmm. uh, been saved there for now. Um, you know, until Nintendo gets their greedy fist on them. Right. But the uh, there are swaths of the history of this that are not available. Specifically, I was trying to find a scan of the last issue. Yes. And I was only able to find a couple things from it. So I was not able to find a full issue. Yeah. So that that retro mags uh, site, which will probably be pulled down by the end of this episode, only goes up through <laughs> um, like 2007 or not, yes. not even that. Like it's just barely into like the uh, transition from GameCube to Wii. Yeah. So you still get a lot of good stuff there. It's a it's an awesome resource, but it's a shame that it is uh you know, these aren't just all available because like swear to God, like what are you going to do with this? How is anyone <laughs> gonna monetize this? Yeah. You know, at this point. Like, why not just let this be out there? Mm -hmm. You know, like the the it was already I mean, you know, the 
the what and we'll talk about this kind of at length like kind of why video game magazines went away and uh i made a, a field trip to a local barnes and noble to see like what what's going on now oh yeah video game magazines. yeah I, I did some i did some field work <laughs> um and the uh it's very interesting because you know obviously like all print industries the internet had a huge impact on it and because of that impact like i just don't really see the the value in not like letting people read all of the the howard and Nestor comics that they want to right you know or or all the like even you know the cooler like the super metroid comic and shit mm-hmm. that was in there like just let, let that stuff be free nintendo <laughs> Like, yeah, man, guys, you, you, you're never going to sell them again, you know, yeah. so or sell them <laughs> yeah. like or, you know, or let me spend, you know, thirty nine ninety five for like a PDF compilation of the, the run of the, the magazine mm-hmm. and I'll do it. Yeah. Like I like I would love I would love to have a complete collection of this yeah. on my tablet. And for a country for, for a company that is so that is so crazy about their own history, you know, crazy enough to sell you the same games over and over again. Easy joke. Um, it's kind of crazy that they're kind of forcing this thing down the memory hole specifically because it was such an important part of like the Nintendo experience, you know, the way people related to these games, you know, kind of at the height of their powers, you know? And it's kind of, it's just interesting when you, cause it, it didn't go away because of market forces. Like it was selling well, uh, actually, when it when it went away, it was just their contract was up, and Nintendo decided they were not interested right. in in doing it anymore. So it wasn't. Uh, there's this this weird kind of like I just wonder if if what happened to make Nintendo not on board with this this kind of thing. Yeah. Um. You know. And uh, yeah. Who who knows? Like nobody will ever. You know. Hope, you know. People probably will not ever find that out fully with the kind of transparency that Nintendo has or lack thereof. Yeah. Um. With things like that, but. It is it is a bummer because uh, one thing about the, I mean we'll get back back into generalities but just kind of a one thing about researching this episode is just like it is uh, like weapons grade nostalgia oh yeah like it is boy <laughs> like Nintendo Power is really good like it's very sweet hearted and good yeah uh, like and especially you know in in what I think is like the best part of its run before 1995 and we'll talk about reasons for that it is it is such just a such a well produced thing it it is it's it's beautiful yeah like the 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 original like early issues of this are so gorgeous um <laughs> you know just down to the the kind of unique kind of cover art and the kind of the, these layouts and mockups and stuff it's just like a really really fun well done magazine um has this like really really cute sense of humor about it mm-hmm. um it is just it is so incredibly sweethearted yeah uh that it, it just uh you know desperately in favor of this being a thing that exists and that i was really happy to have experienced while it was happening yeah you know um so that's another disclaimer that that we should probably put out. We're going to be very nostalgic about this. Normally, we at least put on a veneer of you know coming at something and yeah. taking your uh, nostalgia. Yeah, Just I mean, watch yeah. out for fireballs. <laughs> Fuck your memories. <laughs> Fuck you. You like Soul Reaver? Get dicked. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's not something we normally indulge in, or if we do, it's normally like in a silence, like oh, so good, and then we yeah. go on and kind of look at the substance of the thing. We're going to be nostalgic about this. We don't do it very often. We ask for your patience and you know <laughs> indulging or, or patience and indulging some, us for some people this will be this will be awesome because this is what yeah. they like yeah. you know like they they uh some people like want us to be more nostalgic you know and there's a lot of video game especially retro games uh kind of outfit that that's their function mm-hmm. you know um but one of the things about this that was interesting is i was experiencing this very intense uh pleasurable nostalgia 
And then also kind of making me think of like, what was, you know, what was the value of this? You know, <laughs> like, what was this? Uh, why was this good? And there is a lot to it. So the things that are making me feel nostalgic are still worth kind of like analyzing, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yep. So Nintendo Power, uh, why did this get the nod kind of over other magazines? Yeah. Um, There's at least one that is way more instrumental to like the foundation of this show, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. you can make an argument that neither of us would be as into video game podcasting if EGM didn't immediately lead yeah. into what up and their podcasts and stuff. But Nintendo power, you know, that is, it just, it's so singular, right? Yeah. It's, it's really singular. I think it is more fun. Oh yeah. Uh, than EGM like EGM is great. And I read some old EGMs, um, looking at this. Um, and I've always, I've always liked EGM. Like that yeah. was the, I never had a subscription, but it was like something I'd buy at grocery stores. And, uh, it always like that, that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Nintendo power is more fun and in some ways like a little bit more kitty. So it just hit me at the, at the right age Yeah, for this stuff. Like EGM was kind of like a cool teen dad and game <laughs> pro was the guy sniffing glue in the back of the, like, you know, the back of the room, just like slowly masturbating with a fork. Like just, you know, game pro is off in its corner being garbage. And then EGM was like, you know, cool teen dad, like trying <laughs> you, to be you responsible. Say, you say cool teen dad. And I think like, how am I going to afford college tuition and that's baby I, formula? That, that's what I mean. It's like, it's like this cool, like, you know, cool Dad. He's got a Camaro and a son. And he's, <laughs> he's got a around the box. He's got he's got a Camaro with a with a child seat in it. He's got both sun and sunroof. And <laughs> um Don't talk the, to me through my sunroof ever again. <laughs> talk to me or my son or my sunroof. Yeah. The um listening to Sun Ra. And uh the but whereas like Nintendo Power was kind of just like a, a normal it was like a real nester. Yeah. You know? Just like a real kind of like Kind of a little bit, a little bit snarky, but not, you know, not mean enough to, to ever be cool. Like the tone of this is really perfect. I right, think. right. Well, that, like, that's really what it is. Specifically with specifically with Nestor, like the the entire kind of joke about that was Nestor thinks he's hot shit because all kids think that they know more than adults. Yeah. But it was like a, it was a, like him failing was a vehicle for conveying information about these uh, about these games, and that kind of carried throughout the entire thing. Like yeah. like and like looking at the pros of this, I think it's really well written. I think yeah. that I think that it like it, it is very clear communication that is obviously meant to be parsable by kids, you know, people who are coming at it. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm that that is a long way to say it's effective communication, but it is not as like childish or simplistic as you would think it would be given that well, given those parameters. And that's all by design too. So like, if you um, one of the articles that I'm pulling heavily from, it was a um, I think it's a Kotaku article that it was the the oral history of uh, Nintendo power. Yeah. I, I sent you that. Um, I think it's Kotaku. It's either Kotaku it's, uh, or Kama Sutra. Yeah. I think it's Kama Sutra where they interview, uh, uh, Howard and, uh, yeah. Gail. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's fantastic. And you kind of see this whole thing, like Howard Phillips, there's not as much information about him, uh, that I was able to find just kind of generally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he's done some interviews and stuff, but this guy is a really interesting kind of character in Nintendo's history. Mm-hmm. And just again, seems very genuine and good hearted. Yeah. Um, and he talks kind of repeatedly about being like, Hey, you know, if, if we had things wrong, if we were kind of like, talking down to people or being shitty like they would know mm-hmm. like these aren't stupid kids you know they're in a <laughs> nintendo they have to be smart like i'm in nintendo i wear a bow tie like the, the uh, <laughs> um so, so he's, there's just this like there's a sense of it being kind of kitty in the kind of graphics and layout 
yeah. stuff, which as you get older, like you get more into that. There's oh, yeah. that that joke about like, you know, Call of Duty marketed to adults and only kids play it. Splatoon <laughs> marketed to kids and adults love it. You know, like it, it's uh, as you get older, that stuff has more appeal. Um, but it's not it's not baby. You know, it's not highlights for kids. Like it's not no, baby no. talk. You know, it, it, it doesn't talk down to the reader, mm-hmm. um, which you get, you know, is, is really appreciated and, and kind of like shines through. Yes. Yeah. This also came at like a weird, um, perfect time, too, because, you know, yes, this is only about Nintendo's platform. But, you know, for a time it was like the, the, there there were there were few enough games that they could actually cover all of the good stuff kind of in depth. If you look at, again, just a slideshow of the coverage, you're like, oh, that's a must play game. That's a must play game. Like there's there, it's mace, it's mainly all killer, no filler, except for that one weird episode about Adam's family, Pugsley's adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's if they would they would do they could pick the kind of cream of the crop for such a long time. Yeah. You know, and that's I ultimately probably one of the things that made the magazine a little bit worse too. Yeah. As it got more and more stuff to cover, um and then I think that coupled with um taking in external advertisers. Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah, like made it made it a less cool magazine. But early on like it was it was literally uh this is all Nintendo stuff. It's the best of Nintendo stuff. And, like, another thing that Nintendo Power kind of gets the nod over, say, like, uh, I think with, like, a GameStop, at some point I got, like, a free official PlayStation magazine. Oh, yeah. I uh, reviewed or something. And, like, Nintendo Power wasn't, like, into lying to you no. about stuff. Um, they the, were really honest about their games. They, like, they, they, would, they had disproportionate coverage of Family Feud and Jeopardy games. but well, the, Like, coverage, yes. <laughs> but when they would do reviews and stuff, typically they would be, like, yeah, like, this is, you know, not great. And that... Uh, went through um, I had a subscription to Nintendo Power I got for free when I first moved out to Portland so I have um, some Nintendo Powers from like 2008 oh nice and I was looking through that and like boy they're down on a lot of bad games yeah like they they you know they're just like this is not very good they did not very they good didn't much care for Geist if I remember correctly <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly anybody's gonna put Geist in the corner like it's <laughs> on my team you know the uh but they, it just you know just because something was from Nintendo doesn't mean they would talk it up right like there were some weird they would give coverage so you'd read this thing and it would be like Fester's Quest Fester's Quest is this this x y and z you know mm-hmm. uh but when they actually came to the reviews they weren't you know well of course it's great it's by Nintendo yeah a lot of like three <laughs> out of fives uh, kind of getting getting tossed out yeah it's it, it's it's kind of weird because you know you look at conflicts of interest right and this this probably couldn't exist in in a time when you know whatever ethics and game journalism kind of thing like it looks less gross to have like these weird little uh preview features again this coverage of these bad games set up against re- reviews that are not as great it looks less weird for that than it does you know to see just page upon page of ad for this game and then get to this tiny little quarter page review that is like actually this is dog shit yeah 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 for sure for sure for sure uh, so we're going to talk about other uh, magazines as we get towards the end of the episode, but um, mm-hmm. but this is mostly going to be focused on the uh, the history uh, of Nintendo Power um, as we yeah. uh, as we go through history and kind of segments dissection. Yes. And again, that value, like the the kind of thing that I stumbled upon that I wasn't thinking about that I would get to in doing this research is like really understanding. Uh, why this was so appealing to me mm-hmm. when, you know, the bulk of the actual content gets obviated by the internet, you know, completely. Right. Uh, as far as, you know, most of these are strategy guides or most of them <laughs> are, are strategies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this started out uh, in with something called the Nintendo fun club. 
You may remember the, the Nintendo Fun Club from Doc telling you about it in Punch-Out. Yeah, if, you, if you're a tiny little man and you've just gotten the shit beat out of you, yep. you can join the Nintendo Fun Club to uh, put a steak on your eye or whatever. Yeah, if, you're, um, um, if, if, if your brains are soup because Mr. Dream pummeled them, pum- pummeled them in, um, and you think, wait, do you mean Fan Club? No, it's the Fun Club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, this is the, these are actually all available on that Retro Mags mm-hmm. website. You can, you can get all of these, which is pretty cool. Um, they're this, very uh, so this, strange. Yeah, they're, well, they're very strange, but the later magazine part of it is really Nintendo Power-y. Mm-hmm. Like it, you can see the prototyping for Nintendo Power like right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is you know this was a magazine uh, published in America. Um, it was the idea of Nintendo of America president uh, Minoru Arakawa, uh, yeah. and this started in 1987. Yes. Um, and really, it was kind of a crass marketing move, as a lot of this was. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. but we have no we have no illusions about this not being marketing, but they wanted to build a database of customers. You know, yeah. just as they were maturing as a company and breaking into these new markets, they wanted to be, you know, to be able to get information about who was actually interested in their in their in their products. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so this was something that uh, ran for seven issues, as we mentioned. Um, it got replaced in 1988, 1988 by Nintendo Power. Yeah. Uh, it was initially free. Kind okay, of like, hey, you just give us your information. Uh, they were going to charge for it after a year, but it didn't run a year. So it was a very good deal uh, yeah. for people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, uh, if you, if you take a look at this thing, um, there's a lot of ads to it. Um, but there is, you know, like this, like the one that I, uh, read was a later one. Um, I think it's the one with Zelda two mm-hmm. on the cover, um, like does have like a letter section that has kind of the same kind of cadence to it as the Nintendo powers letter section. Yeah. Things like that. So a lot of these things that would show up later in the magazine show up here as well, but it is a lot of ads because it is a free product. Uh, that is a fun club. Yeah. <laughs> As though that were a thing. Yes. Yeah, it's a fundraiser, not a fundraiser. So, sorry, is that a what? <laughs> no, 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 nothing. Okay. Sorry, I just, for some reason, my, my vision went down to a point uh, when you said that. It made me very angry, actually. Well, you know. I wish you hadn't. Get used to it. <laughs> but yeah, like this, this turned into Nintendo power because they decided, Hey, doing this as like a low cost, low investment thing, it's actually real, you know, it's more of a drain because their circulation was so high. Um, yes. and so they decided to retool this as a product that they could sell. Yeah. Yeah. And made it kind of more robust, um, and made it into Nintendo power. Yeah. Well, th- this also was a function of kind of more non-Nintendo games kind of proliferating on the system, too. You know, it, 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 we're looking at 87 to 88, which is this huge time for third-party publishers, you know, on the NES. Yeah. 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 And that's something when we talk about the kind of uh, ethical transparency or what have you of Nintendo Power, that's one of the things that I really appreciate as well, is there isn't, um, you know, things that were kind of there is a player first mentality to it. So games that were going to be a big deal to people who played video games were treated with the same respect as Nintendo games. Yeah. So Nintendo, you know, we happen to look out and they, they make, you know, the best, they made like the best Nintendo games pretty much. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's not like, you know, Mega Man two was given short shrift. No, like the second, the second cover is for Castlevania two and it's treated like a huge event. Right. You know, just because it's not made by Nintendo. Whereas, you know, maybe it'd make Nintendo a little bit more money if it was Nintendo, 
you know, developed games as well or kind of pushed to the forefront and they don't do that. No, no. And like, that's smart because good third party support is necessary for a, for a system to to function as we have seen. Yeah. As as we will see. Yeah. (laughs) And as, as we have seen for the last several Nintendo generations for the last 20 years. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so yeah you know so a part of the switch to 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 a magazine was also to uh extend coverage to these third party you know these these licensed titles one of the weird things about going back and looking at these older these older magazines was the the way that the terminology has shifted it was never Mm -hmm. it was never third party games it was always licensed titles yeah um, which refers to something different and has for a long time in addition to that referring to the nes console itself as the control deck Control deck. There's a funny story with the control deck. Oh yes. Oh, uh, you we... mean the control dick? It's yeah, it's in there. Put... I've got it down there. Okay. I just want to make sure that was in the thing. Because well, the the um, this is getting ahead of ourselves. But like some of the early uh, humorous Nintendo deep diving was done by Sean Baby. Of course. Um, and uh, he makes a joke about the control dick thing, and he just has it as like a joke. And then like when I read that thing, it's like, oh, there's an origin to that. Yep. <laughs> like it was such a weird. Uh, like he calls it out, and it's so weird to see like, oh, there's a, there's actually a story behind that. Uh huh. You know, a thousand invisible threads, man. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it's there. Uh, they, they had a little bit of trouble naming the magazine, but really just kind of sprung out uh, from the from Nintendo slogan at the time. Now you're playing with power, and also the fact that the title had to have Nintendo in it. So you know. Yeah. Well, the, the the title having Nintendo in it uh, came later. They were originally going to call it Power Player. Yes. And uh, and then uh, they couldn't because the there was. It wasn't already a magazine. It was just the copyright. You know, that name wasn't available. Yeah, it was like a trademark vagary. Yeah. So then uh, then they got word from Nintendo that said, hey, it actually has to have Nintendo in it. And that's when they kind of did the the word salad to make Nintendo power. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the magazine was kind of up and running. The first thing you're gonna, that you're going to notice, especially looking at some of the early the early issues, are the covers. Um, yeah. Which alternate between these kind of plasticine claymation models, um, some of which were done by the guys who did the California Raisins. So that's neat. Um, and uh, these live action kind of like cosplay kind of things, like looking at somebody dressed up as Link. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those claymation covers are worth chatting about. Yeah. For a second. Um, one, like how. OK, cool. <laughs> who who would you kill? <laughs> To get your hands on like an original one of these is like set up like a diorama. Oh, uh, just me, you, you, you name them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give me give me a put a list of names that are dead drop. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the deck be dead drop. Yes, it is. It is under a piece of volcanic rock that should not be in Maine. Yeah. <laughs> dead drop dot TV. Um, <laughs> I, I love these things. They're so um, good. Yeah. I mean, the, the first one, which is like very classic and iconic and, and wonderful. No, wrong you know, Mario. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like a little bit off. Like his eyes are just a little too big, and he's a little too thin. Um, you know, but uh, the one one of the early issues I have, and this was like a quest object every time I went to PRG, is the Maniac Mansion cover, oh, of course. Um, issue sixteen. And like, if I were to own this Maniac Mansion claymation thing, like it would be the kind of thing that in three generations, like Butterfields would have. Oh yeah, it would be passed down it, because I mean, it is it, so cool. It would basically replace your coat of arms. Yes, it would be <laughs> it, uh, finally something fine enough to have as a centerpiece for a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> this is why my marriage failed is because the uh, centerpiece the, was not the, the Maniac the, Mansion claymation from Nintendo Power. The end is baked into the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's so good. Yeah. Like they're they're so cool. Um, you know, I, I appreciate clay, 
and this isn't really Mation. They're just clay sculptures, I guess. Oh, yeah, like, um, like clay replicas or diorama kind of stuff. There are any yeah. number of things you could put into it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that in general, but I specifically love these Nintendo characters being presented that way because uh, it is very rare to see kind of just non uh, – as, you know, as much as these magazines – uh, fulfills the function of seeing kind of promotional art, which is you couldn't do everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rare to see non-promotional art, right? For these kind of things, yeah. And, uh, and you know, it just and, has that kind of homey style. And that's that's something that made all of these magazines suffer. Like after the mid '90s, where where the PR machines for different uh, publishers and studios kind of got into gear and like, hey, have all of this official art that you want. You know, like yes. I'm, I'm looking over. I have a, I have two whole shelves on my bookcases dedicated to these things. I'm looking over at an issue of Game Fan that is like a home baked uh, 3D render of Sonic on a snowboard because they are <laughs> promoting Sonic Three. Yeah, <laughs> you know the fact that they had to come up with something to visually represent these games with an absence of you know either good screenshots or you know actual official art that they could just paste in made this magazine and others like it look and feel more unique in a way that yeah. after all this stuff became more common they kind of started looking very samey. It's it's really really kind of impressive in that respect. Yeah, you know it just yeah uh, homey and and kind of worn in and then the the live action ones are also really awesome <laughs> yeah just this idea of like hey let's get michael keaton down here to like pose as batman <laughs> oh god I love, you know for this i thing. love the story behind that how his how his agent said hey it looks a little too jowly yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they had a little, little less birdman a little bit more batman <laughs> the um you know but like that's just that's a really cool idea too just imagine because one of the things that um you know we have this later in the notes but in talking about all this stuff it's worth noting that this is a super small team starting up oh yeah and it's just, it's so like, it's so charming, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of these like six people and just kind of coordinating this stuff. It's like, okay, well, we need to get a guy dressed up in armor, have him hold this head next to a cow heart and he'll be <laughs> Simon Belmont, yep. you know? <sighs> um, did, did I ever tell I think I have told you this. Did I ever tell you that I took a class at PSU with the guy who ran the studio that recorded all the music for the California Raisins? No, no, you didn't. This feels, like, th- this feels relevant. Uh, I mean, that's that's essentially the story. Like they were all covers, you know, it wasn't actually right. You right. Know, that, you know, and uh, he uh, he ran a studio that was done in Portland. The music was and he worked with all the all the California Raisins movies. Um, I like after class, I stopped and talked to him a little bit. And I was like, that's pretty crazy. Like, do you have any California Raisin stories? And then realized I was asking him like that. Like the California Raisins <laughs> for real. People. Like, what were they like in the studio? Yeah. With, 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 <laughs> the middle raisin seems like he would hole up in his dressing room a lot. Was he was he a real diva? Which one was the quiet one and which one was the smart one? Um, I said that. I said that. And then like, that, that's literally what I said. And then he was just like, no, you know, it was just, uh, you know, we got a, like, we just worked remotely and recorded it with a bunch of local session musicians. <laughs> And I was like, cool, like I'm too embarrassed to live. I'm going to go, uh, you know. Yeah, yep. no, they're 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 dried grapes. They're dried grapes. We pretend are candy. Um. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and sometimes they uh, they play the saxophone. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, but yeah, anyhow, it was just a weird little it's a weird little California raisins connection. Yeah. <laughs> raisin connection yeah Yeah, i worry about referencing things like the california raisins because people people out there are listening know what they know what we're talking about i have no knowledge of advertising after like 2002 so i have no i I don't know if people actually like if the california raisins have stuck around if they made a comeback i think that they mostly are just if they're they're a white power meme now oh yeah there's always that could have gotten back yeah yeah yeah. I, i think i mean if anything like 
they would yeah i mean i guess i could see them being used for racial stereotypes yeah yeah in some terrible way um mm. yeah i don't think they have though i i feel like uh my my newsletter would have alerted me <laughs> so my, yeah. my reason in the reason in the sun <laughs> at uh yeah. at oal.com would have sent me something yeah Ugh. Yeah, but just uh, it's it's one of those things where I'll talk to coworkers who don't who don't know who Fonzie is, and it's like, mm. yeah, you know, you gotta teach them just like line up four raisins on their desk every yeah. day for a year. Yep, and then they just play. Wait, just, why, well, why is the music just heard it through the grapevine over and over again? I'm not mad because it's a really good song, but yeah, what, what about the time they did another boardwalk? <laughs> that's a that's a weird thing because that song is I it, you know they you get you get. You do kisses down under the boardwalk, and the idea of the California raisins getting into anything. Well, no, you're just hand feeding raisins to your lover under the boardwalk. But you are a raisin. You can't like hand feed like. No, you're hand feeding yourself to her. Come on. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. Come on, man. It's mouth stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's weird that the California raisins were doing it. I started. I thought it was mouth. It's stuff perfectly first. natural. I guess that's true. Yeah. You hear it here first, folks. <laughs> Reasons giving each other blowjobs. Perfectly natural. Cool yep. roll. Murderer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho. Um, so the uh, the first issues of this were uh, printed in Japan. Um, and like we said, it's a stu- it was a, a crew of like six people working on them. And they were right. flying back and forth between the United States and Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of founding editors were uh, Gail Tilden, who was the head of PR for Nintendo. Uh, at the time, and started working on this, and then Howard Phillips, who was Nintendo's game master. Yeah, I want to know more about that title. I could not find any real details about it. He's a so he was a guy. Um, I I know a little bit about him. He was um a guy who worked in some kind of low level position. And there are people who like are historians of this who are probably screaming because I'm getting small details uh, vague, but um was just very good at games and kind of got brought in to test this some of the stuff, hmm. like to play. You know, he's very good at video games. He would play them. And uh, they'd be, he'd be like, hey, this is kind of bullshit. Yeah. So he was kind of like a company play tester. He was like uh, Tom Hanks and Big. Yes. Yeah. He's a little a little bit like that, you know, yeah. without well, like maybe he wasn't saying, hey, you should make a game about X. Right. Right. But he, he was saying like, no, I don't think this is going to work for gamers. Right. You know. Yeah. And that was kind of the role that he served. Like he very much had in mind the player's best interest, at least in, you know, the materials that I've read about him and reading this interview, like that was his focus was to make sure that this thing rang true. Yeah. A consultant is his official was his official title. Yeah. So they called him a game master, but he was a consultant. Right. Yeah. And so like these two kind of formed a like a yin and yang, you know, Gail Tilden was this kind of master of, you know, basically publication design and production, making sure this thing came out and looked as good as it did. I got the sense that she is just this real workhorse, you know, who mm-hmm. is responsible for this thing, kind of having the look and feel and then just like professionalism that it had. And Howard Phillips was the person who basically wrangled most of the editorial. Right. Well, he wrangled the editorial and he was in control of that oversight that was like gamers will will this yes. won't pass the sniff test. Right. You know, like he he was the person who was going through and, and doing kind of QA for it and just being like, you know, these listen, like he, he was way ahead of his times to be like, gamers are insufferable pedants. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's, you know, if, if we have this tiny detail here wrong, we're going to hear about it for a thousand years. Yep. Because this thing um, will always be on shelves somewhere yeah. and somebody will write in saying, hey, I read this old article and you got this wrong. I wonder yeah. if you could fix that. In the Android's dungeon, can you get out of the wizard's tower without using the, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
play, plays his two two non consecutive bones and plays the same note. You know, yeah. you're gonna get that kind of stuff, right? And right. Uh, and rather than being like a wizard did it, Howard <laughs> Phillips just made sure it was right going out, even though they you know they did make mistakes. Yeah. So, so that oral history that I read from Gamasutra, you know, highlighted these two these two purposes that were kind of shared by the two founding leaders, you know, Gail, uh, Gail Tilden said, and this is just a quote from that. Um, it was a marketing vehicle, but when it was going to become a magazine, the mission statement of the magazine was to help consumers be more satisfied with their game purchases. Yes. You know, so um, like, like, like this was a way and you like, you look at, um, these early magazines, they have these inserts, they have basically surveys that they would ask people to fill out and write in a, a tremendous amount of their <laughs> of their content was actually dictated or at least informed or, you know, like even down to like game scores by the data that they got back from individual players and like their enthusiasm about these games. Yeah, though, a weird part of the magazine we'll talk about when we get to like kind of what's inside is the, like the picks. Yeah. Section where it's like the counselor's picks, the player's picks and the dealer's picks. And it's like, <laughs> who's this dealer? Um, the uh, But that was actually people going out and kind of doing surveys of what they thought was the most popular thing. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo could use this to make decisions. Uh, you know, Nintendo Power could use this to make decisions about what they were going to cover. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the reason why they wanted people to, so they had that aspect of it. They also wanted people to get past games and this papered over a lot of Nintendo hard kind of BS, right? So like if you play a game and it's like, this is unfair and I literally can't get past this. <laughs> if there's this resource where it's like, I can Nintendo power will tell me how to get past that part. You're going to look back on it a little bit more fondly. Mm-hmm. You know, you might recommend it to your friends. You can, Hey, loan, I'm going to loan you this, but I'm also going to loan you volume 27 Nintendo power. Yeah. So you can get past it. Um, it's just going to make you kind of have general goodwill towards the company. Yeah. It's a kind of like abstract, uh, promotion or marketing that I don't feel like I see as much anymore where it's like very customer first. Yeah, it, it's, you know, nowadays this is mostly done as like branded content or content marketing, like trying mm-hmm. to trying to improve value around a brand like this is like this. This is a, it feels like a more wholesome version of that because they understood that by having the supplementary information and by, again, using that to, to paper over it, people would see their NES as less as gray little bullshit boxes and more as like this this fundamental part of their kind of like entertainment life. Yeah. And, and Nintendo has my back. Yeah. You know, like this, it's, you know, they, it's, it's the kind of thing where like, I feel like a modern company would try to get uh, players to, to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like if you were getting a job at a place, it'd be like, listen, you know, here's, here's X, Y, and Z super anti-customer policy. But when you're talking <laughs> to the customer, you need to make them think A, B, and C, mm-hmm. you know, make them feel like A, B, and C, but we're secretly going to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Like this is something where the company's mission was to make you feel good about nintendo stuff mm-hmm. you know so it's like there's this it's weird like very uh wholesome is a good word for it and then just kind of not evil <laughs> like what how few examples of not evil advertising are there in the world and yeah. to, like just find one where it's like this is just doesn't feel evil yeah to and, me and so i i rarely take the position of like well it's not marketing it's just you know more information about this thing that'll help improve their lives like our, yeah our, our that's current... almost that's 99 percent bullshit yeah. anyone who ever tells you that is lying to you right in real life but that is like it's it's always been the case i feel like we're so saturated with it today that you know that is just a you know recognizing that that is 99 bullshit is an important part of being you just like not just media literate but like existence literate today yeah and yeah, a, lot- being a fucking sucker <laughs> yeah, yeah don't be don't be a pigeon don't be a mark but yeah. i think that there you know there's a lot of kind of post 
let's say postmortem or postmortem or post hoc um, kind of shade thrown at uh, Nintendo Power as being a marketing vehicle. Like, oh yes, well they were just trying to sell you stuff, you know, just like the Transformers and GI Joe <laughs> cartoons. Like everything in the eighties and nineties was meant to sell you stuff. Like it does feel. It's different. really not though. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you already bought the stuff. Like yeah. it's not like Nintendo needed help selling the stuff. This yeah. was this was this was like aftercare. Yeah, like they were already a huge, huge, <laughs> huge thing. Like, how can we sustain this? And yeah. like, I just wonder about how much of you know because Nintendo has this like very uh, singular position in uh, American nostalgia, right? Or video game nostalgia in general. Like, perhaps other than you know, I don't know how things are in Europe with the Z Spectrum and and Isometric Nightmares, but like, mm-hmm. uh, it's a good name for a band. The um, <laughs> Z Spectrum, Spectrum and the Isometric Nightmares. <laughs> like, a twenty-minute uh, cover of the Steak Rattle and Roll theme song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, what genre do you play? Steak Rattle and Roll. Oh, you mean rock and roll? No. Um, <laughs> but uh, at least you know it has this very singular place in nostalgia, and I wonder how much of it has to do with um, you know I. Every fiber of my being wants to say the illusion, you know, yeah. because I'm so anti-advertisement. Right, but like, right. It really like reading about this and kind of reading the stories behind it. And, and you know, maybe there's more sin. Maybe this is like a shocking lack of cynicism on my part. Right. But uh, it just feels like that kind of like, oh, Nintendo like actually gives a shit about me. Mm-hmm. And that like carries forward, you know, and, yeah. and it has this kind of feeling like this is not just a big fan base. Yeah. You know, a lot of people bought Atari, but it doesn't have that same kind of, you know, Atari's, but it doesn't have that same kind of loyalty. Yeah. You know, and this this could have this could have been a singular you know, or one of the big factors in kind of cultivating that feeling of loyalty that everyone has. Yeah, I, I don't know. This isn't scientific, nor is it rhetorically sound. But Nintendo Power and going back to it passes the sniff test in a way that those aforementioned cartoons do not. Now, no, 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 no. Know? Yeah, this is uh, this is significantly less cynical than like the Transformers cartoon, I think. Yeah. You know, or, or G.I. Joe or He-Man specifically like that's You know, He-Man was very bad. Yeah. Uh, in that respect. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that Nintendo power, like they're thinking the wizard, <laughs> like the, the wizard is Nintendo engaging in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. It'd be a good, uh, adaptation decay. Like it's not direct, but no, I, I, I think that, that, that'd get us some heat. There's yeah. a lot, lot, lot of juice on the wizard. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of juice on, on the, the wizard. wizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um a big part of how nintendo power actually got a, a, a large you know large amount of its content was the fact that uh, kind of built into nintendo's certification process was that code would be handed over to nintendo power if somebody wanted to have their game printed on a nintendo cartridge and you know get the nintendo seal of approval they had to basically submit to you know their thing being covered in depth and in, in nintendo power if nintendo power wanted to cover it yes um and this kind of came up um you know later there's some some kind of stuff i've read in these interviews about uh games really wanting you know their marketing wing trying to sell it to them to nintendo being like hey you know put uh like x bad game on the cover and nintendo <laughs> right. being like you know just yeah, we're not going to do that. No, you know, so that we talked about the covers kind of being this like rogues gallery of awesome, awesome games for a long time. Um, rogues gallery. It's a paladins gallery. Yeah. Paladins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paladins gallery um, of, of really, you know, phenomenal games. Um, that wasn't for lack of effort. You know, the people who made, uh, now try it, like trying to think of a, a kind of super shitty, uh, a, you know, the, the Noid game. game. Yeah. The people who made the Noid, 
don't you know they want to be on the cover of Nintendo Power. Yeah, we'll, you know, but it wasn't for sale. Yep, I got we'll, we'll, we'll include subscription slips with Domino's pizza boxes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, you know, just like integrity is so fucking rare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, like, ah, uh, so that, that's, that's really, you know, really cool. And it, they, they got less good about that. Right. As right. time got on, there were more games. They started accepting external advertisers, things like that. But initially yep. <laughs> that <laughs> like, was very much a thing. Like, like every single, um, video game magazine in the mid nineties, they, uh, pretty much six of their covers any given year would be about a 2d fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was a, that was a, such a huge genre at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes sense. Um, so one of the things uh, strongly associated with Nintendo power is Nestor. Uh, Nestor is the uh, magazine's mascot and was for a long time. Eventually, uh, Mario actually became the the official ma- mascot. But the one everyone associates with, the, the unique thing is Nestor, who's created by uh, Howard Phillips. Yes. Um, and Nestor would star in comics with Howard Phillips, who drew himself with his signature bow tie. Um, and Nestor himself is this kind of shitty little Dennis the Menace figure. Uh, so <laughs> shitty, in fact, that the actual title is written out in just kind of like plain yellow font, Howard and Nestor. And then Nestor would have crossed over and then written <laughs> Nestor in graffiti font above it. Like, what are you what are you adding by that, Nestor? He's, he's, a, he's a provocateur. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, like Milo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys. Yeah. Um, like, uh, these are... Uh, Early on, like they're they're very kind of transparent um, in how they're you know because they, they were set out to give kids tips without making them feel like they were getting tips, right? You know, for games. Yeah. And uh, wait a minute, you mean like that like that strategy page on on forty eight? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's it's totally that. Like, hey, the other part in this book. Um, but uh, you know, they eventually kind of got into more kind of storylines. These would be like based around games, and they kind of have like little uh, light gags in yeah, them like yeah. it's hard to call any of these funny um but i read them all the time because i'd read any comic at oh, that course. age like it's yeah. you know that just comics like comics are good mm-hmm. um you know and uh they are really kind of charming going back to them mm-hmm. um without being particularly funny or insightful yeah um, it's uh it's it's toothless calvin and hobbs except without yeah. hobbs and it's just calvin's dad and there's there's no like life there's nothing existential it's right, just right. about how to get past like a level in Bayou Billy. <laughs> it's like, it's a very weird Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, they brought this back for the uh, the final issue. Oh yeah. Did you did you read that? No, no, I didn't. Um. Oh, cool. Like it is. Uh. So there's somebody on Reddit scanned it. I'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh. Like I don't. You know, this troper doesn't cry at media that shouldn't make you cry. Right. But it it is like it you it's it's kind of a gut punch. It's very sweet. It's like uh <laughs> did, did uh, Nestor grow up in real time? Was he thirty five? It's a lot like million dollar baby. Uh, no. it's, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. He's he slipped on a he slipped on a power pad. Yeah, he's power pad. It and, broke uh, it broke his neck on a U Force, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and Gran Torino's gonna fucking smother him with a pillow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh he does grow up in real time and it's him and, and his son. Okay. Um, and, oh, and it's just, oh god Nestor, i'm already getting sad <laughs> it's 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 very sweet it's Nestor being sad about nintendo power being you know yeah. uh being going away and his son kind of talking through it. and he's like well you're probably going to pick up that that first issue and read it sometimes right and he's like well yeah of course it's like well it didn't really go away like you still have all of your memories well no and, you, you know, don't because stuff. nintendo is eliminating them from the internet <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the, like at the last panel is just like a, an agent because sunglasses comes yeah. in, the flamethrower and just burns. No, the, the, like, the, the, the posters off his wall. The last panel is just this image could not be loaded. Yeah, four <laughs> four. Um, 
<laughs> it's it's very sweet. He's got a bow tie on his wall as a little souvenir. Oh man, because uh, Howard left. Yeah, it's it's a really <laughs> really it's a really cute comic. Like yeah, uh, it's very nice. It's weird how that like th- that house comic kind of pervaded. Like uh, I always read the uh, the Shu and Chan at the end oh, of yeah. uh, EGM. Like those were actually pretty good. I love the art in those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they were always just like two people talking to each other. Yeah. Like there's like nothing ever happens. So that was the, were, that was that was the that was the state of the art at the time. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like I just I wanted I think I but and this is me when I was young. Like yeah. you know I, I'm not speaking for an actual qualitative thing. But when I would try to read uh, Sue and Chan, like it was just like this is a lot of words and nobody is doing anything. Right. You know um, there there it wasn't as kinetic enough for my kid brain. <laughs> um, but anywho, um, yeah. Nestor also he got a game. Um, there's a Virtual Boy game called Nestor's Funky Bowling. Oh shit! Uh, I so, forgot about that. Yeah, so Nestor like made his way into the real world. He's <laughs> oh no, he broke into the net. This <laughs> noise has become a tune, um, <laughs> or vice versa. Oh, uh, you know, it's it is a semi permeable semi permeable membrane that goes both ways. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, and uh, Nestor was also the uh, the mascot for the the awards that they would give. You know, like yes. the the annual best ofs were the Nestors. Yeah, yeah, and uh, th- th- those are such a uh, those issues are really fun. Yeah, um, to see kind of see that. Um, there's there is a promotion that Nintendo Power did. Um, so they did these series of uh, promotions, and uh, one of the most infamous ones was to get rid of unsold stock of Dragon Warrior. This is because, fucking not scary. Yeah, it's really it's really <laughs> something. It's so Dragon Warrior, you know, obviously was the the huge kind of groundbreaking uh, hit in Japan. They expected it to be similar in America, and it wasn't. Right. So uh, American copies of the game, they just had a bunch of them around. So for a period in the early 90s, whenever you got a new subscription, you got a copy of Dragon Warrior. I, and uh, Dragon Warrior is a good-ass game. Like yeah. This is not you know like a shovelware kind of thing. Um, I was trying to remember if this is how I got Dragon Warrior. Because I, I, I had Nintendo Power and I had Dragon Warrior. Hmm. But I don't remember if that's how I got it or if I got them separately. Were you subscribed to Nintendo Power? Yeah, I had a yeah. subscription for about a year. Hmm. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about it in the other video game magazine uh, section. But then my, uh, my stepdad, that subscription ran out and he got me a different video game magazine that turned out to be also really cool but very weird. Yeah. Uh, which we'll talk about. Um, so, yeah, I, I had both those things. I wonder if I got it from that. I don't know. Yeah. This, but what, this what a generous was, thing. You know? I know. Like, just that, that is so much game. And, like, man, that, that's a tentpole. Like, that, that is a tentpole of early RPG. Like, that, that, that made, you know, that single move probably got tons of kids into RPG. Like, it worked the way they intended it to. Mm-hmm. Tons of kids into to JRPGs that wouldn't have been otherwise. Yeah. It probably sold a lot of copies of Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, yeah, super, super cool. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's awesome. Um, so what, uh, what, what's inside this magazine? Yeah. Well, notably, and boy, oh boy, uh, going back and looking at other magazines, it does this stick out. Um, no ads or at least no ads yeah. interleaved within articles. Um, until 1998 ads only appeared, you know, for the first couple of pages of the magazine and they were mostly kind of internal ads. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was exclusively internal ads for a long time. They wouldn't take advertising for uh, non Nintendo products um i love this yeah <laughs> like i I, w- I wish that everything had this this philosophy yeah you know so yeah i just like what, what you end up with and i think this might have been uh you know I, I don't know for me this is something that made me less interested in the magazines as they went on um but you what, what you end up with is articles or uh advertisements that look like articles or just kind of like just m- <laughs> mimic or misrepresent themselves yeah yeah that that 
becomes a problem mm-hmm. in uh, in this magazine eventually. Yeah. Uh, the, the I have just a two, the two physical issues I have in front of me to kind of compare. Uh, volume 16 and then the uh, the issue with the 25th anniversary of the NES um, one and or issue 260 and uh, you get that happens all the time in issue 260. Yeah. Like not all I mean, not all the time, but it happens enough. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, there are also, um, <laughs> I was looking at EGM specifically, some of their, some of their fatter, uh, issues are mostly ads, but they're ads that also have inserts in them. So like a uh, little subscription things or survey, survey, survey results, which if you're trying to flip through the actual issue, it will open up onto an ad just like yeah. automatically because of the thicker paper. I, I hate that. The, this uh, this later issue has a card from the Ro- Lord of the Rings trading card game. Yeah. Uh, so whenever you open it up, it goes right to this Aragorn card, and it's like, bam, Viggo Mortensen, bam, Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> <laughs> every, every time I open it up, so yeah. it's, it's a it's a real bummer. Yeah. Um. You know, and and uh, advertisements suck. Yeah. Uh, but it was nice. You know, early on it was good. Um. A lot of the art in this is original. Um. You know, actual art made for the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of official art showed up as well. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff from like manuals and things that are in these early issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, but it wasn't this huge kind of like splash image that would take up most of the page, or you know, would be the representative piece of art. You know, especially if you look at like the first ten issues in this. There's a like there's a wonderful spread. I think it's like an issue two maybe where they demonstrate the different abilities of Mario two characters by showing them in this scene of uh, being in a track and field kind of event. Mm, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, what a wonderful and inventive way to like present their, <laughs> like, like the differences between these characters. A, that's, yeah, because that's, that's actually in uh, issue one, I think. Okay. Cause it's a very famous, uh, famous issue for, or, uh, thing from this. Yeah. Image from this. Yeah. But like, you know, like they hired somebody to do that as a way to like explain the game to people in a way that didn't involve screenshots or didn't involve just prose. Yeah. Yeah. It's accurate, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you get a lot of these kind of like you get a lot of things that are official that are kind of manual things. You get a lot of charming off model uh, stuff Yep, that I really appreciate <laughs> as well. Um, you know, a lot of this is like where like a thousand, you know, good tweets are made It's just. <laughs> Memeing out about this shit. Did you like my uh, my picture of Quick Man from the Mega that's, Man that's, 2 that's poster? A weird, that's a weird picture of Quick Man, man. And then later it would be kind of come again, like we said, that, you know, more kind of official assets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and kind of uh, not have as much character to it because none of the stuff was drawn in house. Yeah. And also, when you get those official assets, that is the actual studios and the PR departments and marketing exerting editorial control. You know, like, here's a poster that we designed for you, as opposed to, like, these really weird posters that were put in that were, like, the editors and artists' interpretations of what was going on, what was going on inside these games. Yeah. You know, guess which one Um, of those is more memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Most of the content of this, uh, and this is true for the first half of the run, this actually eventually goes away. Mm-hmm. um is strategies yep so um you know there is some other stuff in there but mostly it's just like hey this game will tell you how to beat five nintendo games <laughs> in this magazine like here's the generalities here's the walkthrough yeah you know? like it, it, you know here's the part that is an extension of the of, of the of the manual you know with yeah. with you know manual art set next to the actual sprites or screenshots of things in use or even more weirdly like diagrams of you know the way of the of the way these things are put together, 
Yeah. 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 And I love the way these look. Mm-hmm. Um, they put together these in a big compilation. Somebody on our Slack channel was just, uh, there's like, hey, is this worth, you know, seven pounds or seven <laughs> quid? Uh, because they put together a compilation of this. It's like playing with power 20 years of Nintendo, and it's just the uh, strategy guides. Oh, yeah. Or like 20 Nintendo games. Um, yeah. That was at the bookstore yesterday. Like, and uh, is, yeah. is is that actual, like, is it is it the excerpts from Nintendo Power? It doesn't have the, like, advertisements and stuff. It looks the same to me. Okay. Um, I didn't have a side-by-side comparison. Hmm. But if it's not, it's in the same style Yeah. Uh, as Nintendo Power, like the same kind of screenshots and diagrams and little sidebars and stuff. It looks like it's of a piece. Right. So, yeah. uh, I mean, for, I don't know what seven pounds equates to in real money, but that in, seems kind of amazing to me because these, these guides, they, they look amazing. The real, uh, it was 20 bucks. Okay. And it was like a little bit above my, like, and it's, it's really, it's, it's a phone book, uh, paper stock and stuff. Oh, sure. So it was kind of, chi- yeah. it was kind of chintzy, uh, yeah. feeling. So I wasn't like, I was like, I don't, do I need this? Uh, kind of went back and forth. And, and what ultimately was the reason why I didn't get it, um, was that I was going into a movie afterwards and feel like carrying, carrying it. Oh. So it was like, ah. Uh, I don't want to carry this around for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's still neat and still cool that, that it exists. Uh, mm-hmm. We can kind of see this. Uh, one of the things in that oral history that's really interesting when we learn about uh, the strategy guides and the maps specifically <laughs> uh, is it. they had this like gigantic machine that would print out these tiny screenshots. Yeah. Like they, were, uh, they, they described them. They're like the size of four postage stamps, like smaller than Polaroids. And yeah. you, know, you would play you would play an NES directly into this, stop it where you needed to stop it, or just press the button when you think you had the frame that you needed, and it would print it out. And then all yeah. of the maps that you see in these early issues were put together using exacto knives and tape. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like slowly putting like that. You know, that's and some of these. You know, there's a map for like Metroid <laughs> in these things. Like, what a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, the you first know? issue has a map for uh, uh, the Legend of Zelda. That that map is awesome. Yep. Yeah. I um I think I've mentioned this before. I have a box. I still have it somewhere. Um, somebody on eBay was selling. Uh, it was just a cardboard box full of posters and inserts from old video game magazines. Oh yeah. That I bought, and I've got uh that map. I've got um the like the poster that comes with Maniac Mansion. You know the the corkboard. Yeah, yeah. Thing. It's just stuff like that. I had on on my wall when I first moved out here. I had one wall of my office that was my video game atlas, mm-hmm. and it was all just maps. <laughs> from uh cut out from nintendo powers and nice. uh from manuals yeah um but they you know it's it's really amazing this kind of care because i just imagine how expensive this device probably was oh i mean they had you to know, go to like, japan to use it yeah there's like <laughs> one of them in the world you, know, you, you have to quest to find it and then you you get there and uh you know oops i accidentally pressed down the wrong button uh you know there's this you know 40 bucks or something like that yeah like they didn't yeah. have they didn't have like a like a a way to really select the frame that they wanted they like the, the this sounds like the most kind of ramshackle operation if it wasn't so goddamn expensive to do yeah <laughs> expensive and, and again singular like yeah. flying to japan it was cheap it was singular enough to where the cost of a flight to japan <laughs> was justified like it was justified and factored in yeah you know because uh at the time these six people um you know, they would each make, you know, there were about two trips a month per issue to Japan. They were in kind of wrapped up in the, uh, the price of making the magazine each month. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but, but these yeah. maps were such a centerpiece and kind of continued to be, I loved the strategy guide, um, kind of aspect of these magazines. It was a way for me to really get hyped, not about games that were about to come out, but games I would never own. Like yeah. looking at the maps and reading the step-by-step, you know, you play them in your head. The um let's let's talk about that when we get to the experience point. Yes. 
because uh, I've got a, a thesis on that, an <laughs> idea on that. Um, there's also uh, something that's worth noting is that Nintendo also put out these strategy guides. Yes. Um, early on, that kind of were born from this. Like each individual issue would have, you know, five or six strategy guides in it, and then they would put out these uh, quarterly. I, I think it is mm-hmm. um, actual strategy guides. Yeah. So uh, there's one on Final Fantasy. That's the most uh, famous one, I think. Yeah, and that, that was really good. That's how I played. You know, I had that when I played Final Fantasy. And you would just get um, them by being a subscriber. Yeah, just value, <laughs> man. Um, they would do, uh, what are the other ones? There's one called uh, Foreplay, I want to say, um, or something like that. Play, play for, uh, four player extra, hmm. which covered uh, games that had, you could play four players with a multi-tap. Hmm. Um, Ninja Gaiden 2 and Super Mario Brothers 3 hmm. were the, uh, the other ones that came out of Nintendo Power. <laughs> that is well, like those are both really good games so that's yeah that's amazing yeah um you know and then there's also kind of some kind of other uh books that kind of covered there's like the nes atlas Super yeah. atlas that kind of covered multiple games you know, these are you know closer to compilations i don't know if it's the exact same material that was actually in the magazine mm-hmm. but these are just compilations of, of different games yeah. Uh, yeah yeah these guides would eventually be outsourced to prima mm, yeah 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 Oh, and, we, and we can't, uh, Bob Mackie will kill me if I don't talk about Mario Mania, um, which also came out, which was a guide for Super Mario World that was put out by the same publisher, but also has tons of like Mario facts and stuff and <laughs> the history this, of the character. Is this where T. Yoshisor Munchakupas comes from? I, I don't think this actually is. It's from something different, <laughs> weirdly enough. Um, but Mario Mania, I've, I see it in thrift stores with some frequency. Okay. Um, I would really recommend it. Huh. Um, full of really cute Mario art. Um, really interesting to read about. That's where you learn about, uh, and there's like little nuggets of history stuff in there, which is one of the primary values of looking at old video game magazines. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, that like things that never went, came through like things there, you know, that's where, uh, I think the, um, the factoid that Yoshi was originally meant to be in, uh, in Mario three mm-hmm. came from, um, was from Mario mania. They have these little kind of fact sections. Hmm. So uh, if you these video game atlases, I, I wanted to get all of them. There's a Nintendo, a Game Boy, um, a Super Nintendo, and the Mario Mania. And I've only mm. got Mario Mania, but I've been on the lookout for them because yeah, they're cool. Are those things that show up at PRG or are they just? Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen Mario Mania there, but because it's PRG, it's in better condition than I need and expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I need I need a Goodwill copy that's like four bucks and kind of beat up. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. Uh, moving on, what are the different sections of this uh, this book, Cole? Yeah, so we have um, kind of most notably um, outside of the strategy section, the player pulse slash the player forum. Um, <laughs> weirdly, they had two readers mail sections um, where people um, of varying ages would write in either with ideas for games or with questions about games or just uh, just kind of general uh, lonely commentary. <laughs> general lonesome fools it is a it's very like this is very quaint and, and cute yeah um the the one that i have uh, number 16 the maniac mansion one the first letter is from like a person who's like oh you talk about kids and, and dads playing video games what about us moms i've mastered x y and z game and i love i love this genre and like i love tetris and i love rpgs and like it's very cute <laughs> um these are really really fun to read oh yeah there, and, there, there's uh, some good stuff I, like when we do the book report i've got a couple of excerpts yeah, this is this is this is really phenomenal. Um, the uh, and then that Sean Baby thing I mentioned, which will be in the show notes. Um, this is uh, it's mostly from that mm-hmm. uh, his feature, uh, Dear Nintendo. 
Uh, dear Nintendo, I fucked up my goddamn. What is it? Uh, it's a, dear, Nin, dear Nintendo, my life is a goddamn mess. Um, it's a, the frat boys who spent their South Padre uh, spring break playing the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very funny. Um, it's it's also it's early Sean Baby, so there's some language stuff that like, nah, I'm like, I mean, it not super into. It doesn't age that great. Yeah, it doesn't age. It doesn't age that that great. Uh, yeah. There's a you know a, a couple slurs in there but the uh, general thing that's from is this guy named mark discordia or the thing that birthed was this like letter chain between him and this guy named mark discordia who was this <laughs> 32 year old plumber who wrote in uh bragging about how good he was at video games <laughs> into this thing and the saga is my very, friends very call me mario it's <laughs> the, it kills me like i this is this was a very early like internet humor uh-huh thing for me like uh yeah. there's like the, this and uh x entertainment and like you know things i used to read uh, in my early internet days. Yeah. Uh, and this, this, you know, this slays me. Like, I still think <laughs> this is very funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and it's just like, you know, any, anytime you take the real text of somebody who's like super mad and kind of shitty, <laughs> um, I think it's funny. I'm ashamed of my dick. Are you of yours? I had a lot of good time <laughs> stuff. Come on. <laughs> about? Like, uh, I'm trying to find the one where, you, uh, well, I look as good as I used to, which is very funny because the picture is not particularly flattering. Um, I have bulk up a little bit and have added three more inches to my cock. It is now <laughs> ten and a half inches long with all those chicks pulling it, fighting over it. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, oh, you know. man. Yeah. <laughs> Way into it. So yeah. we, we, we've gotten the chance to meet a lot of, you know, just a lot of game journalism game commentary people like it's 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 amazing to me the the friends that we've been able to meet like at prg and stuff one of the only times i was kind of kind of starstruck was when we got to meet sean baby oh yeah yeah, yeah we that was really get a cool. booth across uh promoting calculators and it's like hey man i've got nothing to say i haven't played your game yet uh but i'm just a huge huge yeah. fan like i kind of dorked out about that you were you were very informative to my early yeah humor you know uh, early internet humor like Oh, this is the one of the first people I see on the internet being funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and this is here's a thing. Uh, and I'm not saying this, you know, because I'm not, I'm not like personal friends with the guy or anything. Mm-hmm. Calculator is so good. Oh, it's really fun. Yeah. Like I, I played that on the plane a bunch. I recently went home and like it is uh it is very very fun. Yeah. Like it is a super cool game. Yeah. It's still on my front page on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, check out Calculators if you haven't already. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but these the, the, these letters are really good and they serve a purpose too like they um every every issue we kind of put in a little bit of like customer service stuff and they specifically wanted to do this so they didn't have to have these customer service sections that would make them look more like an official nintendo nintendo publication right so somebody would write in about a problem they were having and they would address it there yeah yeah um this is where the uh the control dick <laughs> thing happens and uh so they they kept getting questions about um the flashing light right you know nintendo thing everyone's had that problem um and gail uh wrote a fake letter asking about it to kind of create a, like an er letter you know yeah uh, so they can answer everyone's question at once um and uh she she typoed and wrote control dick there's a flashing light on my control dick <laughs> um and uh <laughs> control dick the uh and as a kind of a shout out to her, her niece she signed it from her niece right to make her niece you know in the magazine yeah but all the kids at school made fun of her niece for talking about her like tiny control dick from the best um, intentions yeah, yeah. Uh, um very funny and then uh envelope art was really fun mm-hmm. here like that that's a real like kind of lost 
lost art. Oh, it certainly is. And yeah. uh, the other magazines that I that I read back through uh, from my own collection, they all included this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it was mostly of the flavor of fan art that we really don't like, which is crossovers. Like, what is Mar- <laughs> what? what is- okay, so I'm picturing Mario and Dragon Ball. I think it would go a little something like yeah. this. And- it's funny because Nintendo Power got into like a pretty big, like they hate Dragon Ball fans. <laughs> That's like a real thing for them in the late 90s and yeah. early 2000s. Um, the, yeah. the editors used to troll those guys. But it was, yeah, it, it's that kind of shit. It's bad t-shirts. Yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy because like, like the legit, this this envelope art was some of my first exposure to like these long running anime characters not yeah. to not to regress into parodies of ourselves i don't know where the axe is at this particular instance but like what are these things like why does everything have this glowing yellow hair yeah did did you see the guy who tweeted us the anime star wars picture oh yeah yeah and your response yeah, was this is convenient yeah <laughs> we just put the axe in both at once yeah we even knew yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this. Uh, I love it when it's not that stuff. I love it when they're just off model drawings of guys. Oh, of course. Like yeah. here's, here's Mario sitting on a beach and like, he looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really, yeah. that's really the, the, you know, my favorite thing this could possibly be like, yeah, the, oh, like that's, the, an, that's an off, <laughs> that's an off a model Mario. <laughs> <laughs> that is off a model Mario. Yes, sir. What are you talking Ooh-y. about? <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the, the, the height yeah yeah i mean the the, the, the younger the apparent age of the artist the better the envelope is yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, and this also like this was a really cool way to see kind of the trends too so like in mid 90s magazines um it was all like fighting characters Mm -hmm. you know and uh, you can kind of see what was popular at the time so when dragon ball z infected our shores that's where (laughs) dragon ball was everywhere yeah um uh, also in these uh like a, a huge number of these uh, of these letters were like i don't think x is so great why does everybody think x is great and they just didn't <laughs> dignify those with responses no <laughs> which i would really love like they like you know the guys would the editors would kind of make jokes or respond to these things and then sometimes they would just be like you know, yes you know okay <laughs> like the, the little angel comes down and says okay and then that's it you <laughs> yeah. know um so yeah there there is that they would also they would put out prompts sometimes as well yeah, yeah. Um, they'd be like, "Hey, we're looking for ideas for contests, things like that." Uh, <laughs> or, we'll get to contest in a minute because yeah, yeah. I want to talk about contest. But oh. the um, you know, so they would put out those kind of prompts for people to talk about in the uh, the player pulse section. Yeah, um, classified information was kind of their codes section. Um, it was always uh, the publication design. This was always like, "Oh, here's a top secret dossier." It's like a like yeah. a like a spy kind of thing. Um and it was like codes or like very, very specific strategies to get past a particular thing or like exploits. Um you know, like, hey, did you know there are warp zones? Yeah, yeah. And I, I love this though, because people would send these in and when you sent them in, you got to give yourself an agent number. Yeah. Um they'd like print them on the middle envelopes and you'd be like, This is from agent, you know, six seventy nine. And uh, that, that's such a fun, like, little thing to think about, like being mm. a kid and being on the playground and being like, look, I'm agent 679. <laughs> um, they, they eventually got rid of that that part and then brought it back because of demand. Right. Not the not the naming part, but the uh, kind of manila envelope aesthetic of the whole thing. Yeah. We can't all be agent 69 420. OK. Yeah, exactly. Um, first of all, you get four numbers, <laughs> three numbers. Second of all, you guys don't know what pot is and you guys don't know what 69 is. <laughs> um <sighs> yeah but the but, but but like this stuff was great something i love about early nintendo power was they were not afraid to dig way back we're going to see that in a in a large number of these sections like they're pulling from a couple of years worth of games 
you know, for yeah. you. So like currency and kind of recentness doesn't factor in for them very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, which, which is really cool. And that's another thing that you've, is unusual for magazines. Yeah. Right. Like a magazine is kind of explicitly of the moment, but this is because Nintendo power was not primarily concerned with news. Right. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the internet changed Nintendo power so much is that later issues tend to be more about kind of about previews and news because uh, you could get strategies everywhere right. online. So reviews, previews and news and features um, as opposed to this kind of strategy thing. Like it has this kind of like timeless quality, these old issues. Yeah. You know, like uh, these, these guides are just as good as any guide. So um, the top sellers section, um, this is, as we mentioned, the, uh, the picks uh, thing where people <laughs> will talk about uh, they would, there's some kind of Byzantine point system they would send out these kind of like mailers yeah. to players. And then they would also have the pros, which uh, tend to be their game counselors, mm-hmm. I assume. Um, and then the dealers. And then the, <laughs> the dealers, the, which is, this is the stock we need to offload. So the topic, the topic, Lolo 3. Oh, okay. I, so, sometimes, but then like, um, I'm looking at uh, the issue that I, the Manic Mansion issue I have. And uh, they have all the points, um, you know, player pick Super Mario Brothers 3, pros pick Final Fantasy. Um, dealers pick, it's Super Mario Brothers 3 by, uh, I don't know, like 12,000 points. Oh, weird. The next highest one is Ninja Gaiden 2 at 2,000 points. Hmm. So it, it is, uh, it's such a big deal. So it's, it's sometimes it was kind of cynical like that. Yeah. Sometimes, though, it was just like, this is what's selling. Yeah. You know? Huh. Um, yeah. And this, this was, the, you know, again, that kind of them letting people participate in the magazine while simultaneously gathering data. Yep. Yeah, that was useful. To feed the beast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, power up was their news section. This was never, um, at least in the main part of the run that I was looking at, never a huge, uh, a huge portion. Other magazines would really lean into preview kind of coverage. But um, one of the advantages, one of the advantages that Nintendo Power had was this kind of look at what was happening in Japan. Yes. Yeah. And this is, um, you know, in one of the issues I looked at, um, it had the first like preview of Super Mario World. When it was still uh, Super Mario Brothers three or Super Mario Brothers four, yep, I think is it's called, and uh, you get to see those kind of weird levels, you know, <laughs> that, that, that don't exist, like the overland that's not right, yeah, things like that. These little tiny postage stamp size pictures, mm-hmm. but it was still it's still really cool to look at, and that's you know when we get to kind of the wrap up again, that's one of the values of doing this is like seeing what might have been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the counselor's corner, which is this is uh, people, it's a letters column again, but specifically people asking for questions, right, or asking questions. Um, how do I get past this? What do I do? Yeah. Um, this advice uh, ranges in quality wildly. <laughs> um, like I was looking at some of it and I was like, holy shit, this is t- <laughs> gift box counselor. Uh, <laughs> like if I, if I had written in and this is what I got, I would be very upset with you. <laughs> Specifically how, like just like incredibly vague or are they get gooding people? Like what's it's, it's when, when you, uh, when somebody says like, how do I beat this enemy? Like a lot of times the advice, it was just kind of like, you know, essentially like keep trying. There's oh, like, yeah, like yeah. A, a long paragraph that just kind of amounted to like, I had a hard time with this too. And eventually I got lucky. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's a little bit like where, where our title comes from. Oh, just watch out for the fireballs. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly what it came from. You yeah. know, that's uh, precisely it is from the counselor <laughs> corner. I never like didn't put that together when we were talking about talking about the counselor corner and this is how much that's the genesis of <laughs> the title of the show, but that's, yeah. that's the genesis of the title of the show. Yeah. From the wizard. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, the uh, 
real quick, I want to talk a little bit in the counselor hotline thing about that uh, that article that I sent you. It'll be yeah, in the show notes. That was something really special. So the AV Club um, pulled together like this oral history um, of the <laughs> the Nintendo Counselors program. They found three former counselors, and it was basically a tell all. Yeah, it was like, what was it like to be there? Um, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is really interesting stuff. They got three guys. Um, they have their pictures, you know, so you can see that they're there um, <laughs> fairly early on in the process. And it's just uh, so this was something that existed for Nintendo Power, but also existed as as a job, like a call center yeah. job, essentially. And it's just these, you know, these guys uh, with little cubicles with a, a small TV and a Nintendo, these binders, you know, <laughs> full of like handwritten maps and hints um, just talking about the culture. Yeah. Uh, there and it's just it is uh, one of my favorite things about that article is uh, how it mirrors the way that every cool job gets shitty. Yep, <laughs> because it because it starts off like really kind of cool, like yeah, it's, it's like, a little you know, little bit laid back, like they worked really hard, uh-huh. but they were you know, it's and like, then eventually it's I, like got, we, I, I got hired in. They asked me, "Can you can you walk and shoot bubblegum at the same time?" Okay, you can play video games. Here's a and, binder and a phone. And the, and the guy who cheated the the Zelda thing, like he put on sunglasses and wrote the answers on the yeah, back of his like, sunglasses, like fucking Jughead. <laughs> um, and the, you know, and then but eventually it's like, oh, we got this electronic thing that monitored how long you were idle, <laughs> yeah. and then somebody would call you in an office and be like, hey, you're idle for 14 seconds. What's up with that? Yeah, and like anyone who's ever worked in a call center knows that's how call centers work. Yeah, now I- and just uh, everything gets shitty. <laughs> Yep. No, I, I, everything good turns to bad. I uh, when I worked my order entry job, I specifically turned down a lot more money um, <laughs> because they wanted me on phones. I'm like, no, I'm just going to copy these PDFs over into the the data entry because I don't want to talk to people on the phone. I don't want you listening to my shit, and I want to listen to podcasts, so I will make less money. Fuck you. The uh, man, <laughs> the the kind of that kind of stuff where it's like you because you go uh, when I first moved out here, I worked for a temp agency because I needed to find a job. Um, and I, uh, worked for Pendleton, the, uh, the overpriced blanket company <laughs> and, um, worked for the catalog and it was all like octogenarians, like calling and talking me through the, the catalog and it's pretty obnoxious. Right, right. Um, but, uh, one of the things that it's just like so undignified to where it's like, if I need to use the bathroom, I'd push the little button. That's like, I can't take calls right now, go to the bathroom, come back. And then sometimes like when, you know, I would sit down with the QA guy, like he'd be like, Hey, on this date you were gone for a minute and 20 seconds. Why was that? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, why can't I shoot you for asking me that? Like this, <laughs> this is the old West. I could literally have your throat cut for asking me that. Like treat me like a fucking human being. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's what happened to the counselor's corner. Like it became, you know, it went out of business in 2005, but before it did, all three of these guys were like, yeah, it got so shitty at the end. Yeah. Because, because you know? it literally had like red led, like display signs that would show how long they were on this call or how many calls they took that day. So like it immediately made the, made the job 50 times more stressful. It, it's, it's so bad. And like everything <laughs> gets that way. Like when I worked at, when I was like very first job, I worked at Taco Bell, like uh, as I was leaving, I only worked there, you know, long enough to buy a PlayStation and Final Fantasy seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, they started weighing everyone's food oh, on geez. the way out. They started that thing where it's like, you know, if you're using too much guacamole, like, the company's losing money, rubs fingers together. And it's just like the dignity cost is just huge yeah, yeah. in that stuff. Like, God, I, I, I really hope like right now I am lucky enough to not have to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it came down to that or starving, you know, I would do it. I really hope I never have to go back to that. I feel like I put in my time doing yeah. that kind of bullshit. I, I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for people um, who are under that pressure in their current oh, jobs. Yeah. 
every single time, like somebody every once in a while, I'll be out at a place and like a, a person who's working at a counter or something will give me like a very heartful apology because something minor went wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just like, I've, I've had jobs, dude. Like, it's yeah, cool. yeah it's <laughs> like it's I understand. Like, I've, I've worked at places like, you know, and, and whenever I urge you, if you're listening to this, if you can take anything away from this Nintendo Power uh, <laughs> episode of watch of, of our Games Club podcast. Um, if you're ever out and somebody like gives you service, you consider suboptimal, like, please have some sympathy because mm-hmm. like, you know, it is the word, like being at a job you hate is so taxing and, and violent to your psyche. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I, that excuses a lot of mistakes for me. Yeah. You know, and you can tell somebody is a bad person when they're like, well, I don't care. You know, it, like if you're going to do a job, you got to do it 100%. You know, uh, they should have gone to college. Like, it's oh, you're a shitbag, and I shouldn't talk to you. It's like, you well, there, there are factors outside of that. Like, it's not they like they probably have a master's degree. Our economy <laughs> is garbage. You yeah. piece of shit. Like, they probably did go to school, and you know, yeah, like uh, people. It, it's essentially just people who don't believe in luck. You right. know, I, th- I think. Um, but anyway, like, be kind to service people. That's yep. how. Whenever, whenever I do job interviews, when I am in a job where I hire people, I do them in coffee shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons is because I want to see how prospective employees treat baristas yeah because he's just saying like our dates you know like if you're gonna oh, yeah, I mean, date, like, for fuck's sake yeah i mean that's yeah. a huge red flag like yeah like how do you treat people who are paid to be nice to you mm-hmm. is such a big 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 qualifier of what kind of your level of decency as a human being mm-hmm. um yeah but the, like the, these counselors, they would often, you know, get regulars who would call in and like ask them about their day and stuff. And like during the time before the red LED lights, like there was an understanding if you had this 12 minute call with somebody who was always like reaching out because they understood that there was value in that customer service. Like these yeah. people are incredibly loyal. Like we need to work with them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I didn't really think that this episode would turn into kind of like a meditation on the way that like capitalism ruins everything special <laughs> you know like the, like the, the pursuit to do something slightly more efficiently mm-hmm. um and how much magic you lose in that but like that's that's really a common thread oh yeah with all this um there's some other kind of awesome things on the counselor's corner that come out in that article and i'll you know, <laughs> hit some highlights just in case you know you're not going to read it yeah um gary how, how like okay so I'll, I'll put this back on you who would you kill and how many of them would you kill to go to one of those christmas parties I man, like yeah, give me give me a list of names. Like give me, <laughs> me, me Arya Stark's like to, <laughs> to be picked up in a limo to go play to to go play um these mint condition arcade machines um with yep. an open bar at Nintendo yeah. headquarters. Sounds phenomenal. Yeah. Um you know they they would give them, you know, you get every system when it came out for free. They had like a, a store, a company store. Um, they had arcade machines set up around the place that were just free play, you know, for all these old uh, things. Um, pretty awesome. And the counselor guys got to go on tour for the um, the the Nintendo World Championships mm-hmm. thing, which is, you know, that's real fun. Um, <laughs> there's one guy in the in the article who kind of embarrassingly starts talking about cougars trying to pick him up. Yeah, and, stuff, and I feel like that. he's kind of lying. Yeah, because <laughs> like, oh, no, nobody tried to pick you up, Caesar. <laughs> um, the, uh, but it, the the culture of it sounds pretty pretty awesome actually yeah, yeah. like it, it sounds like a really really kind of cool place mm-hmm. I, um, I, I love them dreading people asking about um i love god i love that too <laughs> legacy of the wizard or the yeah, legacy of the wizard legacy of the wizard was like the death knell yeah because you had to even before they got the led lights you had to keep uh your averages down mm-hmm. and uh it's just like somebody be like i have a question about legacy of the wizard and they're like, like there's like a hundred uh... screens on that fucking game <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm in the one with the brick walls you know <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah so read that article it's 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 a little lengthy but it's really good 
Yeah, it's 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 a you know I love that um, the AV Club kind of stopped doing that. Um, it feels like, but when they're a little while, they're like, what was it like to do this? Yeah. Uh, they did a huge series of it. It was really great. Like, what was it like to be on uh, double dare? Uh-huh. You know, what was it like to, and that's like such a good, like the, the best, uh, ask tell threads, uh, essay <laughs> or, or that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I will never like not be hungry for that kind of on the ground experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the NES achievers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't get straight face for a millisecond. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about them. <laughs> so, it, all it I can picture, like and probably like, are uh, of all of them. <laughs> under, under Trump's new laws, and yes, achievers are going to be deported as well. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, this this is something. This is such a weird aspect of video game culture, and specifically like a way that you could express it. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, um, here they are, the hottest scores around. If you'd like to share your best scores with the readers in Nintendo Power? Send them in. You could be the next NES achiever. Right um and it was just kind of like hey here is a table of numbers or here is a particular story about one of these you know one of these achievers and this thing that they did this was often mixed in with like official uh, official uh, tournaments or uh uh, kind of challenges that were done like one of the early issues features photographs of people from the uh from konami's top gun world championship oh (laughs) top gun well, I mean, later they had that kind of context. Oftentimes, I mean, maybe it's a page space thing, mm-hmm. or maybe it's something that changed, but it would just be a list of names and scores. Yeah. So, like, I'm looking at the one for issue 16, and it's just, like, games with scores. And some of them, uh, there's no scores. So it's just, like, here are the four people who finished Adventures of Lolo. Yeah. And enough to want to take a picture of your screen and send it in with a roll of film <laughs> for, like, Nintendo to develop. <laughs> and then or you're going to power to develop or like you know print out this thing or um one of my favorite things is there's these sad ones like uh, the guardian legend here mm-hmm. where there's 10 people um eight of whom maxed out the score um and the last two are just like a hundred thousand points short oh no and it's like so sad like you couldn't get you couldn't get to the the kill screen like you're so close uh but your name's still scout, in print scout olsen <laughs> scout olsen <laughs> so close scout um <laughs> yeah no i mean it was it was a way for them to make again to make their uh their their readers feel good yeah you know? exactly it's a customer service concern it's just it's a trip to look back on yeah it's not it's not twin galaxies or anything like these are not the highest this is just them featuring people you know it's giving them attaboys you know yeah literally it's just a place to brag yeah yeah uh, the video shorts, which were their initial way of approaching reviews uh, for a very, very long time. But it's like, hey, here's what's out. Here are short descriptions of them. Like very yeah. little like qualitative um, kind of criticism was going on. But like if you wanted to find out what was going on outside of Nintendo, this is the place where you would go. In a million years, I don't know why this is called video shorts. No, no. Um, and it was called very- video shorts for a very long time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, on pack watch um came as well this is another preview section yes kind of thing so there's a lot of like superfluous like the editor in me does want to like break these down into categories oh, yeah. and, like, like why do you have a player pulse and a player forum <laughs> yeah like this really seems like this should be um but this is also uh previews of games that are eminent yes um these are amazing if you ever find an old issue of nintendo power go and look because you will often find a game that was either canceled or the title was changed before it got here yeah yeah. Um, Shaq Fu used to be called Shaq Attack, <laughs> uh, which, which I found out from this. Um, they also have a gossip section. 
Mm. Which is which is really fun too, where you could find um these are things you know, obviously they didn't want to totally confirm, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but this is like um like one of the things in this issue sixteen is it says the name of the robot masters in Mega Man three. Hmm. You know, before there were so like I can just imagine that being awesome. Like oh, I wonder what Needleman is like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um Yeah. Yeah. Um we need to talk about these comics. Gary, these are so good. Before we get to the comics, does uh can we talk about uh, the NES journal? Sure, yeah. Because mine's open. I don't know if that's in every issue or not. Right. Um, this is uh, kind of news stuff. Um, sometimes it's general entertainment stuff, and then sometimes it's celebrity profiles. And the celebrity <laughs> yeah. profiles are really something else, dude. I, lo- I love these things. I made notes of these whenever I came across them in my read-through. Um. Um, yeah, I, I read one on Bart Simpson, <laughs> uh, the fictional character. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> The one I have here is Will Wheaton, and it, the picture of him is like this glamour shot, uh-huh. like this like soft focus glamour shot. Um, and then there's also one with uh, Kirk and um, I can't remember the <laughs> sister who's an actress, Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it just, like they're just it's they're very funny. Yeah, they have these like celebrities who like maybe play Nintendo or whatever, but you know that like that's not their their stand, you know their their main thing. Yeah, and they're just getting asked questions. It's like, so what do you think of the you know was the end of Zelda hard? Like, it's it's all stuff like that. Yeah, there's um th- th- there's a profile. So it, it accompanied uh, a one page feature about the wizard. This is an issue nine. Um, Fred Savage, star of TV and films, counts beating the Mister X in Kung Fu among his greatest accomplishments. <laughs> like in general, not just yeah, yeah. Um, that's been that's phenomenal. Um. This this one also has just as part of this section before we will get to the comics and, and I want to talk about the contest. Yeah, as well. yeah. Um, but the uh, there's a section that's like you know from the world of Nintendo and it's like catalog stuff. Mm-hmm. So you would get like um, like Super Mario Brothers toothbrush shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I and saw one of the that things too. I, I I love that so much. And one of the things that's awesome is this has a preview for the Me Neck Mansion TV show. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's like, uh, that was yeah. the primary source actually for that yeah. uh, for that ad- adaptation decay. Yeah, with black, black and white pictures of Eugene Levy and um, uh, Flattery. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you think uh, uh, Joe Flaherty ever makes like a Flaherty will get you nowhere uh, jokes? <laughs> I mean, I guess like nowhere is not where you want to like pick up ladies and say where they're gonna go. Right, but like right. Flaherty will get you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's the case. I think maybe that was across his uh, his CV, um, oh, or maybe okay. on the back of his uh, on the back of his headshots. I think. That'd be pretty rad. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about the comics. Yeah. Well, like these were kind of long running things. You would catch these threads and they would retell the story of like huge Nintendo games. So do you want to see the adventures of Link through uh, the dungeons in Link to the Past? Well, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is uh, the ones that I and they they're mostly for things you would you would expect. Right. So like Zelda uh, Link. Um, but there'd also be weird ones like Super Star Wars. Mm hmm. Or like Shadow, you know, Shadows of the Empire is one. Yeah. Um, you know, later. Uh, and one of the things I, I, when I was reading these old issues that I was thinking about was just like, oh, like this is when uh, the first example of Samus getting real talky and shitty. <laughs> like, shut up, Samus. <laughs> like, why is there a Super Metroid comic where she has an on, like a, an ongoing dialogue with herself continuously? Right. You know? Oh, it's because of Metroid Fusion. You know, okay. <laughs> like, you know, it's 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 the the predecessor to that mm-hmm. um so a lot of these games like i don't think necessarily benefit from this mm-hmm. i think the art is awesome though oh they're great like in a, in a lot of them yeah it's really pretty phenomenal yeah um it's especially amusing like the off-model star fox ones 
Yeah. Yeah. That's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but these, these are kind of weird. Like, I don't know that these have ever been, uh, compiled. Right. And that seems like a real easy way to get, you know, like all of these all put together as like one trade paperback would be something I'd be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, just to kind of flip through the art, mm-hmm. but it was such a strange thing. Like there were some issues that were mostly comic that I, that, that I pulled up mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. is a, a big deal. Yeah. The way they handle reviews for a long time was kind of strange because it wasn't editorial, um kind of scoring you know they would they would make their kind of statements about you know uh, why this thing works or why it doesn't but then they would have the power rating um for a long time and that was actually defined by survey data yes yeah um yeah and then later it would become more traditional um we eventually became like a kind of out of five uh thing and then eventually became out of ten yeah in uh in kind of more closer to modern era they they regressed the mean yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as we mentioned before, I mean, without, you know, the risk of uh, repeating ourselves too much, uh, you know, pretty good track record for not being super biased. Right. Uh, even though I learned, uh, I was looking up some trivia about it and for a while, and this is, this breaks my fucking heart and I have no idea why, <laughs> but one of the highest rated games uh, in Nintendo Power was the uh, NES port of the Three Stooges game. <laughs> I saw that review and it was it was very generous. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the worst games I've ever played. Yeah, guys. like I don't. Maybe I just don't have enough counselor power or whatever. Like, but like Jesus Christ, <laughs> I might need you to cool it. Uh, like, you you do not need to shill for Cinemaware. No, I'd rather you didn't actually. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite sections um, uh, was the Epic Center. Um, yeah, yeah and uh this was like in the mid 90s you know from the middle of the snes life cycle on they there was so much uh heat around jrpgs and around all kinds of role-playing games where they just had several pages and you know and, and included strategy around these gigantic titles yeah yeah this, this is really great um yeah. you know that and this is when um this was a little bit after my subscription, but when I would still pick up mm-hmm. Nintendo Powers, yeah. I loved this section uh, because this, I was an RPG kid. Yeah. Like that was my my, my primary issue. This was right in the pocket for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as far as uh, things when we eventually will talk about the kind of uh, the aspect of the voyeuristic aspect of that, <laughs> reading about like RPG stuff, like even when I couldn't play them, like, yeah. you know, was a was a bullet right to my heart. Yeah. Um, there were other sections, but they were system specific. So as new systems broke onto the scene, they would have their own kind of cordoned off areas. So like in the early nineties, when Game Boy was a real thing, like all of the coverage was put into these monochrome pea soup messes. Yeah. Well, and, and this would sometimes spin off into magazines as well. Yeah. There's a Nintendo power advance, which was all for the GBA. Mm-hmm. And there was a Pokemon uh, version of Nintendo power. Of course. It was just Pokemon stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to do a little bit, talk about the contest a little bit. Yes. Let's do uh, because these are uh, like just a source for like intense envy <laughs> for me reading about these. Like um, they are so so the issue 16, the one that I, I the old issue I have in physical copy mm-hmm. uh, is probably the issue of this. I've read the most times just because I'll pick it up and flip through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the Final Fantasy guide that they had. It was kind of uh, they have a preview of it. So they have kind of a short version it's of a it. preview of the summer of Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah, and the the, the um where they you know where they're gonna uh, put out the guide eventually, um they have uh the contest for Final Fantasy. There's two contests in this. I want to talk about both of them because of how fucking incredible they sound. Um, a real Final Fantasy adventure. Um, 300 years ago, Dutch privateers built a fort on the island of Tortola in the British Virgin Islands, Fort no. Recovery. 
The stone tower is said to still hold a great treasure. Today, as the center of the Final Fantasy treasure quest, four adventurers will seek to uncover its secrets. You're fucking kidding me. For four <laughs> days and three nights, the winner and three friends will become the Light Warriors, wearing costumes from the characters in Final Fantasy, oh, God. and guided by an explorer's handbook created just for them. They'll set off to solve the mysteries and uncover treasures. Gary, I can only get so erect. You're going to need to stop. <laughs> I'm dying. Like, I, I can't, like, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, representatives from Nintendo Power will lead the adventures and videotape the fun. Um, there'll be plenty of time to explore this Caribbean paradise. Cole, ru- 50 second or 50 runners up got an orb. <laughs> it's win-win. <laughs> what is going on? Did somebody listen to our show, go back in time and say, we're going to stick it to these guys? A custom crafted crystal orb embossed with the emblem from Final Fantasy. God damn it. There's there's 50 of those that exist. Like, <laughs> gimme. Um, and then the other contest in this is for Ultima Quest of the Avatar. Uh, tour the haunted Britannia mansion and visit Origin Systems. So you to hang out with Lord Brit, like a Halloween trip through the most elaborate haunted house in America, the Britannia <laughs> Mansion. Um, tour of Origin Systems, meet Lord British, and then, um, but just uh, man, <laughs> there's no other. Uh, so I, I searched for Final Fantasy Orb on eBay. There's nothing. So I, I'm gonna say they used to sell for a while uh, in my early eBay days when I would just kind of browse all the time. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of uh, like a custom kind of materia prop things, which mm. I thought maybe that would be. It would show up if you uh, did that, but you can buy like materials hmm. um, that are kind of like good looking. They're just orbs, right? But sometimes they come in like little cases. <laughs> um, Got to take care of your orb, you know. And the the contest thing. So one of the uh, the issues I'm I'm reading here, um, issue twenty eight. Uh, I have the PDF open. One of the things they asked was like, give us ideas for a contest. Yeah, you know. Um, and when I first read this, I was like, oh come on, kids, get fucked, because the the, the kids are like. In the tradition of FCI's RPGs, my grand prize suggestion would be an adventure like none other. Uh, they will travel to a barren wasteland filled with the deepest bogs and swamps <laughs> and some of the most wretched creatures imaginable in the deepest dungeons of the world. I, They'd fight a nasty villain. And it's like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. you're just you're just making up stuff. Can, can, can I can I tell it. you? Can I tell you? Oh, they, they did that? No, no. But they did the one where you go to that castle and oh, like, yeah, this isn't yeah. that far off. Right. Is, is the thing huh. like like, yeah, like, oh, of course, you're just saying you want. You know, you literally want to go to a magic realm and do an adventure, and like Nintendo <laughs> Power made that shit happen for yep. kids. <laughs> they just built Batmobiles and stuff. They like, they, just... they they built it in. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> um, I, what I thought you were building to in that same issue, again issue twenty eight. Um, one of the one of the prizes they suggest is Maniac Mansion in real life. I really it's, like that. It's too. you and your friends going through a replica of the mansion with with mm. actors uh, playing as the Edisons. Like Good so, some, somebody invented a maniac mansion escape room. Uh, <laughs> like literally killing me. Like, I... <laughs> though, and like, though, the, so you found much better ones that would have killed me of the actual uh, contest that they ran. The one I was most like envious of was, um, you could win Bill and Ted's, um, uh, phone booth. Oh, that's pretty rad. Yeah. I would love that's to have incredible. Bill and Ted's phone booth man i just uh and they you know just this would be promotional things oh yeah you know like they like, would, uh, they know, would co- work with other companies would, or publishers yeah yeah and be like hey we'll we'll do this contest for you to to do that you know we're, or we'll give you this vacation or whatever <laughs> um and it just uh boy it's like it's, I, real, it's really funny how those escalated too because in the first issue the like the contest prize was just some nintendo powered jerseys and now it's you and your four friends getting to cosplay as final fantasy like (laughs) in the caribbean yeah in the caribbean um man yeah that's just like you know every once in a while you just get that feeling of just like here's a cool thing that i never 
was able to do and never will be able to do. Uh huh. Like that, just that intense feeling of just like my, you know, that was a thing for some people that just wasn't for me. And it just, the, the Venn diagram that is my life will never contain that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, it's very, so, uh, it's a very wistful feeling. Yeah. It's a, you know, and that's a, that's a good kind of description for this entire kind of endeavor. For this episode. <laughs> it's just this kind of like, man, <laughs> man. So let's talk about our own experiences, because most of this has been a mixture of history and tangents. But uh, Gary, what's your what's your history with the magazine? Um, yeah. So I, I had uh, like I said, I had about a year of subscription to it um, when I was younger um, prior to getting that kind of switched out for something. Uh, but it was for always something that I would look out for in grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this kind of. uh bleeds into generalities because this is something I would use other video game magazines for as well. But, you know, being like a little poor kid, like it was pretty rare that I would kind of match up where it's like, Oh, I have this game and need help on it. Also, I have this Nintendo power that tells me how to play it. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be pretty rare. So mostly it was about vicarious play. Yes. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about with that kind of thesis is I think that this was uh let's plays like oh, this, yeah. this kind of fulfilled the same emotion and the same kind of purpose mm-hmm. as let's plays did. Uh, where it is like, oh, I just am going to read this map and kind of read about how to play this and just get that kind of feeling that I, the same kind of thing I get now watching people play. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a big deal for me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've gone over a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. uh, just in the episode. Like I have just I spent a lot of time with it, yeah. um, you know, kind of a never ending, you know, just like <laughs> laying up you know, late at night, uh, sneaking a light on after I was supposed to be in bed. Yeah. Uh, you know, just kind of flipping through pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my, my experience is very similar. I don't know that I ever had an, I had a subscription to this. My subscriptions were to other magazines we'll talk about in, in, in a little bit. Um, but I always picked up, you know, like it was just something that would, that would end up in a stocking or it'd be something I would clamor for or whine for at a, uh, uh, at, the, at the grocery store. Again, those mm-hmm. grocery store newsstands, you know, probably a, a huge vector for these things. Um, yeah. And it was very much the same. And so, you know, I got into these like in the mid 90s um, around the time that the uh, the epic, the epic center. Sorry. Yeah. The epic center. Oh, I get that. That's clever. <laughs> Epicenter. Yeah. Um, uh, around around the time that was really kind of swinging through. And that was how. <clears throat> That was how I got to experience a lot of games like Final Fantasy three or Chrono Trigger or Harvest Moon, you know, was kind of like taking these on vacation and reading them in the car, you know, <laughs> like yeah, years before yeah. I ever got a chance to play Chrono Trigger in the um in the like the Final Fantasy Chronicles on PSX or whatever. Like that was how I did it. So we're very much in line with that um, kind of being a huge part of this. It's unfortunate because I got into the magazine at its ugliest period where everything was like plain black text against these horrible 3d textured boxes. Yeah. I mean, we should probably talk a little bit about how that graphic design suffered. Yeah. yeah. Like I think it's, it kind of makes a U shape. Mm-hmm. Like it starts off absolutely sublime. It eventually gets tasteful, but there's a, there's bad, a dark then, middle ages. There's a really dark middle ages where everything was kind of dark, yeah. you know, in that like Nintendo, like as the Nintendo systems got uglier, <laughs> they, they, you know, in the Nintendo 64 era, yep, it was rough looking as killer instinct to got more cover features. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just very, very ugly. And then, but it eventually got more tasteful, like modern, closer to modern Nintendo powers look pretty good. Yeah. I think, um, the, uh, uh, but so something I want to talk about real quick and just because there's not another place to put it is uh, and, and I've touched on this as we go. But there's that let's play aspect of this. Um, 
there is uh, when I was young, this was the place to see pic. Like this is going to sound very simple and make me sound very simple, but like if I wanted to see pictures of like Castlevania enemies that were drawn, yeah, like this would be it. It was literally just a source for art. <laughs> um, you know, like I want to see pictures of Mario. Yeah, you know, and that was enough for me. Like I was like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I want to see pictures of Mario. Like, fuck, sign me. I will follow you behind this grocery store. Show me pictures of Mario. <laughs> you know, like I just all I wanted was pictures of Mario. That little boy, I put pictures of Mario on this dead body. Do you want to poke him with a stick? Yes, <laughs> I was. I was like J. J. Jonah Jameson's for 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 pictures of Mario and shit. And like the the uh, chewing on so a bubblegum cigar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me pictures of Mario. Um, you know, so it had that aspect. Um. It had that vicarious play aspect that we talked about. Um, going back to it, some of the value that this experience has brought, this isn't necessarily my history, but something that like I've noticed is that like uh, what, you, what you said, it does have that element of um, seeing like the unseen, like this game never came out. This game used to be called this. Um, that's really fantastic. Another thing is I really like seeing how like kind of a critical consensus or how like a mainstream thought about something. Yeah. Um, so like one of the things that was really joyful in going back to this was seeing how much, and this is just personal because it's my, it's my dog in the race, but seeing how much respect, uh, Shadowrun for the SNES got mm-hmm. like that game was really, really well reviewed, made it on a lot of lists. Um, like one, won some nesters, you know, like people, <laughs> people really liked that game. It was all over um, like the, uh, like the uh, top secret information stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a great game. Like you can go yeah. back and listen to our episode on it. Like I think that that game is really phenomenal. Um, and was very much like formative to me growing up and just seeing that's like oh like i always thought of this as some kind of obscure gem that nobody paid any attention to mm-hmm. but no like nintendo power was doing the work and being like hey you should check this out yeah you know and that those that that's really cool to see kind of this uh what what the the consensus was what the the conversation was yeah you know in times before yeah it's uh it, like it was hugely nostalgic for me like looking back at this and even looking at other game magazines that i had more familiarity with like you know into the mid 90s it's like the stuff that they were crazy about is the stuff that i'm still crazy about so i like i just recently you know just today put out a tweet there's a single issue of game pro where they have previews of super mario rpg and resident evil and huge features on chrono trigger and yoshi's island yeah (laughs) and well a lot of times the at least for a nintendo power one you're just you're liable to get Uh uh-huh you know uh, something just because the 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 games were so good yeah like so the the issue with Maniac Mansion on the cover obviously has a big Maniac Mansion thing. It also has a Final Fantasy thing um, and a, a preview for Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Yep. Um, and then, uh, and then I guess a Solar Jetman co- poster that somebody's going to care about. He's <laughs> not me. Um, yeah, but yeah, like you could get like these issues where it's like, oh man, I'm surprised by how much good stuff is in this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this is just hitting on my hitting on my joy buttons. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something else, and again, this may this is me just backmasking my my current priorities. Explanation is hugely important to me. Like it's mm-hmm. what I do at my day job, and it's kind of what we do here. You know, trying to bottle something up and convey it in a you know in, in an efficient and effective way. You know, since issue sixteen has become this kind of centerpiece, it's amazing to me looking at that feature about Maniac Mansion and how how well they convey what's special about that game with like a half page thing explaining. Okay, here here's what different scenarios with different kids look like yeah like like here's how here's how this is different they they were so canny about the shots that they took in kind of getting that stuff across again going back to that image of super mario 2 character capabilities as track and field 
<laughs> like so many awesome metaphors and so many like just very economical payloads of you know things that helped you immediately grasp what was special about these games. One of the things I really love about the uh, the Maniac Mansion one is that um, if I were trying to explain Maniac Mansion to my friends at the time, I would have had to have done like kind of a lot of caveats. Because you know, it's like, yeah. oh, this isn't this is a Mario, this is a Contra, like this is a different kind of game. Um, and then for better and worse, Nintendo Power always uh, approaches things in total good faith. Like this is good and worth talking about, right. even when it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, but they still like, hey, this is what's awesome about this. This is why you might be into it, you know. And in a review context, that's kind of odious. Right. But in a strategy guide context, like being like, hey, they, we're going to tell you how to play this. Here's the coolest thing. It makes me feel <laughs> like the people who wrote them and determined that came to figure out, you know, a, as a as a element of dissecting this, they found the most lovable thing about it, mm-hmm. you know, and decided yeah. to put that foot forward, which, again, like at a critical or review context, I don't think that's responsible no in a guide context i think that's good yeah well what's crazy about it is you know you're probably looking at a guide um in a lot of cases because the actual game itself wasn't wasn't put together well enough right like how do i get past this thing how do i I get over this uneven difficulty you look at these guides even for games that are just kind of like yeah they're presented without judgment yeah (laughs) you know they're presented with kind of like this this total encouragement hey this is possible here's how you do it here are screenshots here are maps like we're giving you what you need to like you know get the most out of this thing even if it's not that great yeah but they never say that last part no but it you know it's there yeah (laughs) yeah so i didn't uh, i don't have a good way to kind of keep notes on on pdfs Right. So I don't have as much like specific book reporting to have, you know, to kind of talk about like yeah. most of the stuff I, I have, I talked about in the generalities. There's some kind of goofy, funny shit. Um, <laughs> I talked about the, the, you know, the, the contest, the, the contest contest, you know, I guess that that's weird. Yeah. The, um, the letter writing campaign for contest and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you, what have you found that's specifically, <laughs> specifically good shit? I've got so much good shit, Gary. I think we can just do like ping pong back and forth, like starting even with issue one when they were not so secure that a magazine entirely about video games would uh, would work out very well. So they had this like little Hollywood corner. The Hollywood uh, corners are really, really good. Yep. Uh, a, uh, pre- a preview of Big Top Peewee. Vance is no doubt the reason Peewee has described the new film as not only a sexy love story, but also a buddy picture. <laughs> I, what's, what's the let me I'm scrolling down to it, too. That's the other reason why. It's hard to do this uh, this part in real time, yeah. <laughs> because uh, you know I'm, I'm scrolling through PDFs. Uh-huh. Um, one the one thing real quick though about about that section or this uh, this issue specifically, yeah, um, is that it makes me think like oh, at some point we should do Gauntlet for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some kind of Gauntlet thing. I, I like Gauntlet. Um, but the the movies uh, that it talks about here, um, the number one top billing. I mean, you get a picture of Pee Wee, but. It's vibes. <laughs> Which I never even heard of vibes. What the Neither fuck is vibes? I. Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper in vibes. <laughs> As two ma- mismatched psychics who are brought together by an incompetent but eager entrepreneur played by Peter Falk. <laughs> Gary, you're describing a movie I really want to see. <laughs> well, you got you can watch vibes. You can watch vibes. It was directed by Ken Quapis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a Quapis joint. Yep, it's a Quapis joint. Quap, yeah. Um, uh, let's get under reception. Vibes was panned by critics and currently has a rating of six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and, and, and there's just a like, who is this for? Element like all the kids are going to be loving vibes. Yep. You know, it, it says like Jeff Goldblum, the fly. No kid who's reading this should watch Jeff Goldblum and the fly. Like you don't want them to literally claw out their eyes in terror. 
<laughs> I bet a lot of young kids have seen the fl- had seen the fly. That, that's, at that prob- point. that's probably yeah. true. But that that's a that's a terrifying, yeah. a scary, scary game. The, the the fly is an oddly sexy movie, and I could see somebody like I could see a twelve year old kind of being into it. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i i totally like i glossed over the vibes uh section of that it's just it's just again like who is this for yeah and also uh i didn't know cindy lopper had a film career oh yeah. yeah yeah i guess i guess so she uh she was a guest star when i was an intern at uh as the world turns and i got oh, yeah. to meet cindy lopper that was uh oh, that yeah. was that was a very bizarre that entire summer was bizarre but it was kind of like yeah. oh i i know you're singles <laughs> Yeah, I, I, good. yeah, I, I, I know your activism work for gay rights. Thumbs up. She wrote uh, part of the soundtrack for Goonies too for the NES. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, uh, yeah, but like I, issue issue one is very heavy on second quest for Zelda. Like by the time this oh, like, yeah. by the time this issue came out, people had solved the first quest, but they're like, hey, here's details about this completely other game that is interleaved within this game. Yeah, yeah. The early uh, Nintendo Power, just because when it came out, is really focused on sequels in general. Yeah, yeah. The, like, all the major franchises are getting their, their second weird entry mm-hmm. right at the beginning of Nintendo Power, which is kind of a cool place to put it. I have a lot of affection for all those second sons. Yeah. Like Mario, Zelda, and and, uh, and Castlevania 2. I like yeah. all the games. Like, the, like the second quest, or, you know, the, the, the Another Quest section ends with, like, hey, did you know there is a Zelda 2 coming out? And, like, Zelda 2 is the cover of issue 4, you know? Yeah. Um. Did you read in the first issue, uh, now that I have it open, mm-hmm. um, during these uh, video spotlight section events with readers, where everyone is nominating one of their friends to be their, like, their gamer god or whatever? No. Like, it's all these letters. Um, they all have uh, any, it's all people who have NES clubs and are talking about talking up their friends to Nintendo Power. Yeah. Like, our club is called the NES Masters. We know right off who our power player is. And everyone's <laughs> talking about their power player like it's a thing. Yeah. Um, his name is Ace Ebb, and he writes to Nintendo all the time telling him his accomplishments. And then there's a picture of Ace Ebb's, Ace Ebb, and it's this cool, like, eight, like, I mean, like, 11-year-old. Like, like, like a crossed. really cool eight-year-old. Yeah, like a very Standing cool in a person. very, very cool field. He has no pets. Instead, he plays Nintendo all day. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a different kind of companionship. Yeah, what are you talking about, NES Masters? Um <laughs> But yeah, this section is really phenomenal. It like yeah. this is the more like the little stories that are uh part of the um you know the <laughs> NES achievers uh that they kind of eventually I think merge this with the uh this kind of stat blocks. Yeah. <laughs> um one thing that's general I can't uh, I can't talk about this in specifics because I don't have it but um it's a real good source for bad haircuts and fashion too. Oh god, these, yeah. These yeah. uh when you know bringing up cool 8-year-olds uh just really unlocks it where it's like <laughs> if you want to see pictures of cool 8-year-olds like Nintendo Power is your I probably have a picture of myself from around this time where I had uh, the most glorious, uh, completely white mullet. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a very awkward time for, I think everybody, I think everybody would rather forget it. Yeah. I try, I tried to do a, like kind of a mullet for a little yeah. while too. It wasn't long. It was like a short mullet. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still, you know, it's still longer in back than it had any right to be. <laughs> yep. No, just a uh, completely white hair that curled up at the back down by the neck it was very it was very strange yeah uh, i was a cute little kid i don't know what happens um <laughs> <Mullet> boy <laughs> um but like then you get to issue two it's like oh here's bionic commando and castlevania 2 two games you're going to love kind of unconditionally yeah yeah <laughs> ah. ah 
Yeah. Um, um, uh, issue four but, had a multi-page prose story about Captain Nintendo. Did you did you come across that? That's in the I Zelda did. Two I did issue? look through that. Yeah. I, I kind of I glanced through it. I had a hard time reading it. Yeah. It was. Um, it's, it's it, it is it is worlds of power quality. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Very. Very strange. Um, the Zelda two uh, strategy section, instead of taking screenshots, they actually have hand drawn uh, maps of the stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw that as well, which is like <laughs> that. That's something special. I would love to get my hand whenever there's evidence of a physical artifact like that. Yeah, like boy, would I love to have that. Like the like the originals that they scanned or. Um, yeah, like yeah. The, just the, the, ma- you know, the maps themselves, yeah. the drawings. Like much later, they would do uh, something that is kind of as impressive as this, like hand-drawn isometric maps of uh, Star Fox stages yeah. in the SNES era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, uh, issue uh, in the mailbox section has a recipe for Mike Tyson's punch. Gary, would you be surprised that it contains <laughs> two different flavors of Kool-Aid? <laughs> so, no i am not <laughs> um let's see here the they had a game proposal contest as well uh the winning one was for lock arm the ultimate video game imagine 12 stages of adventure <laughs> <laughs> i can't um, <laughs> it's like he's like a naga guy who has multiple hands and snake legs <laughs> that's very strange um yeah. <laughs> did you have any? Did you have anything? Because I've I've got a lot. That no, I can... no, I, I don't. I don't have a good way of like I said. I don't have a good way of highlighting stuff. Yeah, yeah. PDF. So the... like, I read these mostly on my tablet. Yeah. Um, during jury duty, and uh, <laughs> kind of read through them, and it was uh, one thing. I, the one thing I can bring out, just so it's not just you know not you monologuing. Um, yeah. I said that like it was mean, but I didn't actually mean it that way. Right. Just I just pronounced monologue. I, I don't know how to say somebody's monologuing without it being negative. Right. <laughs> you know. I don't mean to be negative. I don't know how to. Uh, yeah, that's fine. No, 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 that you're, yeah, you're you're selling past the clothes, man. I know you're not bashing. The, the uh, um the uh but the issue the um episode issue two sixty with the twenty five years of NES one with the silver cover. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the really phenomenal things it does, and I, I recommend people pick up this issue if you're able to see it, is that it has um this very very long uninterrupted section of game like game developers uh, current and old, uh just kind of writing about old Nintendo games they love. Oh yeah. So you get stuff like, oh, here's like Warren Spector writing a pretty long essay on The Legend of Zelda one. Holy shit. You know, or you get, um, you know, sometimes it's the, you know, or the modern like scenario writer for Final Fantasy talking about Final Fantasy one, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. And it's it's really good. Um, you know, the beautiful here's the beautiful Joe guy talking about Super Mario Brothers three and what it meant to him, <laughs> you know, things like that. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's pretty like I read this front to back this is when i got new mm-hmm. uh, when i moved out here and like actually read this whole section yeah um is well worth anyone's time i think no that sounds great uh, yeah that, that is exactly the, that that is exactly what i like and it's why i read gama sutra <laughs> yeah yeah exa- exactly and it, yeah. it's the kind of thing where it um the magazine would move towards this mm-hmm. when it stopped doing strategy guides and it was a real hit and miss but when it did when it hit it was it was really great yeah so 
Uh, something that I love very early on is when they're trying to like get people excited about non-standard kind of games. By non-standard, I mean like non-platformer uh, kind of things. They do these multi-page kind of explanation-heavy heavy features. Like when Tetris was coming out, this is issue nine, they have just like pages and pages of like killer Tetris st- strategies. Like work the edges, save, <laughs> you know, be very careful with your straight pieces, like with diagrams and stuff. Like it was probably the most dense that I ever saw them get in their first 10 years mm-hmm. yeah um and even down to um uh, oh gosh when they were uh, talking about uh dragon quest or dragon warrior rather um it, <laughs> they explained a role-playing game not by just kind of like saying like oh you have stats and stuff but by by uh doing like a text adventure or like a choose your own adventure so you would have numbered grids and it'd be like a slime appears do you fight do you run you know, and then would say jump to this particular square to like show the outcomes to show that this is like a a kind of game that has you know these longer uh, longer tails on consequences. Mm. Yeah, no, that's pretty great. Yeah. Um. So the Final Fantasy Guide. What was crazy about that was like they gathered lore. <laughs> yeah. Like, when you got to new areas, they would have like paragraph write ups about the story of these places. Well, it's it's because it it was. You know, a lot of the hallmarks that we see in guides now, yeah, like we're there, like they were guides. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's so crazy to see it in print media that isn't dedicated to being a guide. <laughs> you know, um, did you notice uh, when you went through one of the kind of um, generalities? I noticed is the focus on uh, Nintendo repair stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like you get these like repair bucks. <laughs> like you get like it'd be like here's a picture of Mario throwing a fireball at Ganon. And you get to cut out these dollars that you can use to send in to your repair to repair your carts. Yeah. And the that cover of uh of issue fifty eight, which has Ganon with his tongue sticking out, and just says, Get instant repair. He's waiting. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's, it's so weird how they kind of made one of their villain one of their villains a mascot for hardware degradation. Yeah, yeah, like Ganon <laughs> is just like Slowly, you know, yellowing your plastic with your mom's <laughs> with your mom's nicotine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I love the uh, the Final Fantasy two issue a lot because mm. because that guy would actually uh, end up being um, part of the manual in uh, Final Fantasy two. Like Final Fantasy two shipped with a Nintendo Power um, walkthrough uh, up through the underworld. Um, yeah. In the manual. Yeah, I love those half walkthroughs in RPGs. Yeah. It was a big uh, Fantasy Star two thing as well. Yeah. You know, it was not a Nintendo power, obviously. Yeah. I'm just like most of my notes are just kind of like for very weird uh, kind of things like, oh, there's like a Draken walkthrough um, in that same issue with uh, with Draken is uh, like creative tips and, and a tour of Mario paint as well. Mm. Kind of like saying like, hey, here are the things you can do. Like, here's like a frame by frame of the animations that you can build in this. Yeah. 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 I remember those specifically. This, they would also have. um in this, and this was around when I was getting the magazine, they would have the grids, uh, mm-hmm. the kind of sticks you could use the stamp tool. Yeah. In that, and they would show you how to, uh, you know, how to make, you know, lowercase Link. Yeah. From from Nintendo or lowercase Mario <laughs> to use for these things, and you to do uh, Super Mario, you'd have to use two two stamps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, hey, here's a pixel art tutorial. Yeah, um, that, that's you know, and that, I think that speaks more to the value of Mario Paint than anything. Oh, true. Yeah, you know, but like yeah, the, but, we, we'll save that for the the next uh, special. True, true. But I mean, just the fact that they had the supplemental material that was kind of explaining here are some principles behind this. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it plays in with their their general like here's how to enjoy, get the best out of the thing you already bought. Yeah, you know, 
Um, that would also simultaneously make you want to buy the thing if you didn't. Oh, of course. Um, in the SNES era, they had like these more in-depth features. Uh, like There was a profile on just all of these weird Koei games, like Nobunaga's mm-hmm. Ambition, and kind of going up through some of those weird, more semi kind of things. Uh, something I loved in issue 56, the Mega Man X one, um, they had this feature of games that never made it to America. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like, Hey, like, here's like a generic title because we, you know, we're not going to translate it, but like these, you know, SNES games about the, uh, the, the U S presidential election, because apparently at the time Japan was very, very interested in U S politics enough to make a game about kind of how to run a presidential campaign. There was a, there was a game designer game that they featured too, just called the game designer there. But there's also this stuff like, Oh, like here's fire, like a game called the fire emblem. You know, yeah, it's like a yeah. strategy kind of thing. Here's Mother. It's never going to come here, but we're going to write this up. And then Final Fantasy 2, 3, and 5, like just enticing you with these entries in huge series that we'd eventually get and would be and would become mainstays. It's really interesting to, to see that um, they, that go through an entire arc. Yeah. You know, where it was like, um, oh, I would love to get this. Maybe we will. Oh, no, we never will. Oh, now we actually probably get everything just about. Yep. You know, like there are things that never came out, but like between fan translations, you can play most of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just tried to pull up that that issue and I've, I've reached my download limit per day. Mm. Oh, yeah. But like they had or, these other ones, like explanations of the way that uh, that Ram carts worked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the the, the way game pla- uh, game packs work together. A technical explanation of the way sound worked on the SNES. Yeah, that's that's the feature stuff. That was the best thing that could possibly, even though the graphic design got worse as it went. Yeah. The focus on, you know, the lack of strategy guide and the focus on features led to a lot of really cool shit Mm -hmm. like that. And that stuff is also, you know, the strategy guides are timeless. They're just superfluous. Like you can get them online. Those, uh, those features like that, there's probably still value there Yeah, because of how it would be written to the audience. Like I could look that stuff up online now, but this would be written for an audience that isn't talking down, but at least is non-technical enough to where I'm going to get something out of it. Yeah. You know? Um, an issue that I had and that I read a lot was issue 75 about the virtual boy. Um, and hmm. Gary, guess what? Outside of Mario tennis, this is the way that I experienced most virtual boy games. <laughs> I, mean, I think I, you're probably, the, you know, that's probably pretty common. <laughs> yeah, I, if you I mean, could, pretty good company. I think that if, uh, that would be a fun idea for an episode of the show, if we could figure out a good way to emulate I th- virtual boy, I do be- a couple, I believe there are virtual boy emulators. I wonder how good it is. Like, yeah. if it's decent, we should do do an episode and do a few Virtual Boy yep. games. Yeah, I would, that, uh, I would love that to crazy... play Boxer. <laughs> yeah, I would like to play that. Um, I'm sure, you know, Mario Clash is, is good fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to play, I wonder if anyone's translated the Weird Innsmouth uh, game. Oh, shit, the, yeah. Uh, the first-person horror game about Shadow of Innsmouth. Yeah. Which is, like, the rarest Virtual Boy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I'll stop monologuing here. Like eventually it gets in like when we get into the N64 era, it's when it starts getting a little bit weird. Like you mm-hmm. get these kind of weird prescient kind of things um, like a, a two page spread about Pokemon, you know, like, hey, this is the thing that's about ready to break on the scene alongside like preview features about Earthbound 64 and Shadowgate. Oh, jumping back a little bit. The <laughs> this speaks to how little confidence Nintendo had in uh, in Earthbound. Um the cover feature on issue 70 was NBA jam. And so they were talking about like, Hey, here's special moves for Scotty Pippen. But they had this multi-page feature on earthbound that was done up as fake newspapers from the world of the game. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like go, go look that. at it. It's really, really good. I can't. I've reached my download limit. Yeah. I mean, it, it just wait 24 hours. I know. I, I can do it at 1am tonight. It says, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, like around this point is when they started adding, like putting in ads, and that's where it became less of a joy to flip through these things. Except for let's say for about four years, they had uh, every issue had an ad for ocarinas. More than four years, I think they ran for twelve years. <laughs> Um, the same company too. The same company that did Ocarina's. Like you could, it's in the the 2008 issue I have right here. Like Holy uh, shit. Or 2010. Sorry, November 2010 is the most recent Nintendo Power I have. And there's the <laughs> the same company is doing their Ocarina ad. You, like I never even thought about like how good Ocarina of Time was for the Ocarina industry. <laughs> Like big ocarina. I gotta tell you, when I would when I would go to Metronome Music in Mansfield, Ohio, to buy new reeds for my saxophone, um, they would have and they like they had a little stand next to the door with ocarinas. My parents would never let me get an ocarina because they hated me doing music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could never practice my saxophone at home because it, it interrupted fucking TV time. And well, God forbid, fair, I it was, have... it's probably really obnoxious. Oh yeah, like, it's probably kid learning really an obnoxious. instrument is one of the most odious things that you can ever listen to. True, true, but uh, I think. I think that it might be – I think that's something you set aside for your yeah, kid discovering it, worth, the joy of music. <laughs> worth it in the end, but also you just get to give your kid electronic instruments thinking use headphones. Yeah. Kathy, you know, Rick, what are you doing? They should have got you an e-sax, bro. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but yes, the, the, the those ads for the Ocarinas, it was amusing how ubiquitous they were. I thought I was joking when I said four years, but 12 years. No, uh, yeah, it yeah. was a really long time. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's interesting, too, that we didn't touch on very much, and there are probably people who are listening who this was more important to them, mm -hmm. but because we're kind of focused on the early days, uh, is that as the game kind of went on, it gained this kind of personality and started having the, or the magazine and started having this kind of like cool kind of fun humor and relationship with the readers. Yes. And like when I was reading about it, there's a lot of stuff like the editors kind of becoming personalities where that stuff other than like the counselors and uh, Howard Phillips was pretty invisible. Yeah. Um, you know, early there, the editorial voice was not tied to a specific person early on, mm -hmm. but as they started focusing on reviews um, in kind of the later years, like it became, you know, a lot of in jokes that kind of like magazine -y thing that yeah. one of the things that like EGM and, and game pro had, early on mm -hmm. the Nintendo power kind of obfuscated for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, that, that stuff is very like reading about it. It seems really genuine and sweet. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't a part to it, a party to it, you know? So the names of those Nintendo power editors doesn't mean anything to me, but I imagine it did for a lot of fans. Yeah. There were a lot of, uh, like inside jokes, like Mr. T would show up in every, in every issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh. and, you know, because they, they joked that he was on the staff and there's that one uh, editor who was didn't want to show his picture, so they always showed a, a picture of a blue slime. Of course. And then the joke became that he was was a blue slime. He was actually a blue slime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nintendo Power is not the only video game magazine, no. obviously. Um, and not even the only one that was like kind of important to us. We've mm -hmm. we touched on this a lot, uh, kind of going through. I think we're both big EGM fans. Yep. Um, I used to always uh, love that magazine. Uh, the other one that I had a lot of experience with and I got a subscription to, uh, and this is very weird, was Computer Gaming World. Oh, wow. Uh, which I did not have a computer. Um, this was this was a, a stepdad who found a good deal on it or did not understand that. Um, but this was incredible because uh, if you want to look at that um, on the, the Retro Mag site, some of the covers of this are just really like, look at, you know, issue 103, the Betrayal of Grondor cover, like really, really awesome, cool looking art. And then uh, this got me interested in like a lot of adventure games way before I was able to play them. Oh, wow. So like I remember reading like, oh, here's the uh, like the long kind of, review explanation of like the adventures of Willie Beamish. And this is how I learned about all the weird, like shitty cinemaware games. 
Um, and just a lot of like, this is the first exposure I had to gold box D and D games oh, wow. without actually playing them. I remember reading about them in this, in these magazines. Holy shit. Um, these early covers are really tasteful. They're really good. Yeah. Like, uh, and this was not, you know, that's not when I had them. Right. You know? Right. Um, but this, you know, this is, this magazine has been on around forever. It's been around since 1981. Yeah. I've had and, issues with this. I'm seeing a couple that I picked up here and there. Yeah. It's a, it's a good magazine. Yeah. Um, and, and just, uh, so it was, I think that might be at least semi-responsible. I mean, who understands psychology, but like for me being as kind of PC focused, uh, as I ended up being, yeah, because I had friends who were interested vicariously. Yeah. You know, I had my, you know, my uncle, I've talked about a lot. I had, uh, friends who had good computers, but I also had this magazine and would kind of be like pour over these, uh, these games. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, looking at a couple of these like covers on this, like there is one cover from October of 2000 that is, oh, the new Fallout um, and then also Quake 3 Team Arena. Like, I love these covers as just snapshots of like amazing things that happen to like coincide in the same month. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, oh, oh, that was a good year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, let me, uh, let me think here. So I I was a game pro kid. Uh, like I subscribed to game pro before I subscribed to EGM. I have no idea what happenstance led to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, it's one of, one of your, one of your parents, uh, ran over, uh, ran over a Boba fat. Yeah. Yeah. Ran over a witch and you were cursed. (laughs) So you got to get game pro instead. Yeah. Well, I just like the, the way it probably worked was there was a cover that was very attractive to me. Um, and I picked it up and I'm like, Hey, uh, for a Christmas gift idea, why don't you subscribe me to this? Or I just hectored them enough that that they thought this is going to be the most economical way to make him shut up. Uh, but I ended up getting that. And yes, it is, um, you know, not, not tremendous, uh, specifically because of some of the editorial choices they made. Um, pro tips were a more slipshod and obvious way to do the strategy stuff that they, mm-hmm. uh, that Nintendo Power had been doing. Um, and those were not always, you know, uh, 100% hits, but it worked well enough. And I'm, and I'm very happy that I still have those around. Gary, the bottom two shelves on my bookshelf are just Game Pro and EGM. Yeah, you've got, you've got that, like, you know, some, some serious runs. On there. Um, yeah, it's like from 1997 to 2002. It's still fun to look look through it. I just don't think in in retrospect I'm quite as kind to it. You no, know, like no, Game, Game Pro was a big deal when I was growing up too. Like you know, I make that joke about hair razors all the time in terms of reviews. That's a Game Pro thing. Oh yeah, it's it's very uh, it's very much like a, I don't know. I'm going to sound elitist here, but like it seems less well considered. <laughs> I, th- I think so too. It's like slightly like more tasteless. Yeah, you know, like a li- slightly lower caliber. Then there are things. And then just, you know, a lot of that was like the cartoon characters they tried to make for the reviewers and stuff. They were trying some stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that just was not particularly good. Yeah. I told you before that you could buy action figures of those guys, right? Oh, yeah. Like that was like last episode when we were talking about yeah. this episode. So, yeah. So just, just reminding you now that we're, we have this episode. So if you have any reviewers <laughs> you really liked, I bet you on eBay for less than 10 bucks, you can get an action figure. I can of get them. a figure of slow mo. You probably get a slow mo. Um, um, something that both, uh, um, oh gosh, EGM and GamePro did was, you know, they had this huge emphasis on um, event coverage and preview coverage, which it's kind of amazing to have that kind of rest inside of, you know, a, a third party, a third party thing, especially when you look at nowadays where all of that is controlled and exposed and dripped out by the publishers themselves. 
Yeah. You know, like Nintendo Power, you know, we're, like we're, we have the postmortem coming up, but like that eventually just became Nintendo Direct in a lot of ways because they, you know, like there was no need for them to have like an American arm for this. Like we can just put all of this out directly. Yeah. Yeah, but like I just I remember reading these previews furiously, watching the games develop over the course of a couple of years, even sometimes. That was a really really fun thing to be able to do to kind of do that. I remember um, reading about the advent of the Super Nintendo with my cousin, and this was I was very young at the time; he was older, and uh, he had a Sega Genesis, and I had a Nintendo, and we get into little miniature versions of the console wars. Like he had a Sega Genesis early before the Super Nintendo launched. Yeah, and. Uh, he would go through these magazines and be like, and try to do like punditry based on it. Like <laughs> as information was being leaked out, say like, Oh, you know, like it says it's going to do this, but there's no way it can like Genesis <laughs> is going to topple it, you know? And, uh, and kind of try to fight me about stuff like that. And I was like, dog, I'm seven. <laughs> like, it, like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite, like, it wasn't like that. Like I wasn't that young, which is like, yeah, you know, he was barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you see the number of polygons that the N64 can push compared I'm to the Sega Saturn, let's go ride bikes. Yeah. <laughs> let's go build a snow fort, Tony. Um, but, yeah, it, it was fun to watch things kind of like mature in that way. Doing the research for this made me want like, like magazines again. Yeah. You know, like in a real bad way, like it's just like, oh, this is kind of like just a thing to kind of flip through. I used to get magazines. There's a magazine called Tape Op. There was like a home recording enthusiast magazine that it still might be free, uh, but it was free for a while. Yeah. And that was really, really, you know, fantastic. Just this idea of like, oh, I get some mail and like the mail is something that like I want to flip through. Yeah. Right now, the only subscription I have is Teen Vogue. And I just did that to support them because they're fighting the good fight. Oh, of course. Yeah. But that, I don't necessarily want to read Teen Vogue. That's like actually that. a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to give these guys some money. Um, but I just I, I flipped through the magazine and it's still, you know, it's still a teen not magazine. The, yeah, <laughs> I'm still not the target audience. You're still this, looking at a weird they, list. <laughs> you know, they, 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 um, you know they're, they're talking about good good political stuff and like you know they they that stuff's coming out but then there's also it's not like there's a makeup ads and things yeah they have no interest in so it's like it made me want to get magazines again it also made me like desperately want um so one of the things i think i'm going to try to do now is i don't want to collect all of nintendo power because you know that's herculean um right. i looked on ebay and there's like a 1600 dollar lot of all of them holy shit um but what I think I would like to do is every time I find one from the Nintendo era, pick it up and just kind of eventually start amassing like a small library of old ones. Yeah. You know, because we're, I mean, uh, we're, we're going to more conventions now. Like that's, yeah, a, you yeah. know, absolutely possible and, and doable and just, just get my hands on those. Um, just because they are always like, it's like I have a bunch of old dragon and old dungeon magazines. Like I'm never going to do anything with them. They're just fun to flip through. Yeah. 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 Um, let's, uh, let me, let me tell you a little bit about, uh, my field trip to see what video game magazines are like now. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, so I went to, uh, cause you can go to, I didn't want to go to like a specialized good bookstore. I didn't want to go to Powell's and do this. No, no. Uh, because, uh, one, like the magazine section of Powell's is like much worse than it used to be. But two, like I wanted to see like, what's this like in a mass market thing. And uh, the mall by by my house has uh, Barnes Noble. Mm-hmm. So I went there. Is that the and, Lincoln Center or uh, Lloyd Center? Okay, yeah. Um, and it, it's pretty much being kept alive by uh, England, by by Brit- British game magazines. I see that. Like, uh, uh, do they have like Edge or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not just so they have Edge and they have Retro Gamer. Um, I don't know if you've ever had your hands on a Retro Gamer magazine, but that magazine is beautiful. Yeah, they're pretty great. Yeah, it's it's really really good. Um, but the interesting thing is that they're putting out. Um, you know, that kind of general move away from 
you know, to, to features style thing is mm-hmm. they're putting out, um, these kind of special issues. So there are issues that come out like every two months or whatever, yep. but then they'll, you'll find like, it's the retro, uh, gamer magazine guide to, uh, collecting old systems. And it'll be like a phone book sized, like relatively decent quality, you know, $25 magazine. Like it is still very much a magazine, right? You know, it's huge, but it's a magazine. And it's just like, here's, you know, how to get these things. Here's what to look for. They're, they're essentially just books. Um, and there's tons of them. There's, uh, you know, there's one on like a couple of them on different systems. Um, there are a couple of them on different franchises hmm. like that. There's a one that is a role, like computer role playing, like classic computer role playing focused. And they're pretty neat. Uh, but it reminds me a lot of, uh, how Jerry Parrish does his, uh, his book publishing. Yes. Yeah. Where it's, he's moved towards, it's still kind of magazine style content collected in a book style form. Yeah. And that put a connection in my mind that a lot of the stuff I'm getting to this is now, uh, you know, there's, there's obvious like kind of torchbearers in like, you know, like a scroll, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Ray Barnholtz magazine. But then you have things like what Jeremy's doing, um, or like what hardcore gaming one one is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's gone to like, it hasn't just gone to blogs. Like that was this weird transition step into like these very in-depth features that were done that, you know, that, that are being done in book form. Like I, I recently got both of the, uh, extant, uh, Legends of Localization books about yes. uh, Zelda and Earthbound, and those things are fucking beautiful. I want to take that guy's exclamation mark key away, but <laughs> yeah, but the, I, I flipped the one, but and you're right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like the photography and just kind of the like the attention to detail in that is fucking amazing, and I'm so happy to have them as these physical relics. I cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a purchase to make. Okay. Uh, the uh, Hardcore Gaming 101. When I when I first read this, um, it was no longer in print, and I couldn't get it for some reason. It's the uh, their adventure game book is back. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I got that in PDF before and read it. Wait. Um, but I, I, I bought I, a, a physical version. No, I have like I got the physical version, like the like oh, the one that the... has the like the Sam and Max cover on it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. want to make sure you had that. No, I got um, that. It's the... great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a <laughs> 750 page like every adventure. Like I love that so much. And. Yeah. But a lot of this kind of value has moved on to a kind of a vanity press feel. Uh-huh. Like even those things that are being put out by Edge and Retro Gamer feel the same way as this kind of vanity press, high quality, kind of expensive because it's a really niche market. Um, so some of this like magic, like you don't have the kind of, uh, you know, it's not as kind of has that ramshackle little league feel mm-hmm. that Nintendo Power has. But some of that kind of magic is still around. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it feels like it's kind of carrying that. I also like if you've never read... Um, uh, Ray Barnhold scroll like scroll is really really good mm-hmm. yeah um, but th- th- that is one of those things that I've always been on the edge of subscribing to yeah it's yeah. it's super super good I got um it was part of a bundle hmm. and I got a bunch of them just in pdfs I haven't got any physical copies yet yeah. but I'd like to because I like Ray and I'd want to support him yeah. um and they're really you know they're really really high quality mm-hmm. um, so I think that, I think that's kind of the the future of that is like there are only a couple you know you'd still there's still like official PlayStation ma- or you know PlayStation magazine there's still a couple of American magazines but mostly it's it's British stuff Yep. And it's these kind of quarterly or twice a year, like tomes. Yeah. And I'm comfortable with that. Like, yeah, like all I'm, of that stuff, like sounds amazing to me. And the, you know, and, and the, the ones that I've taken the plunge on have been completely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm as far as what magazines were kind of right before this, where they're at now, I like this much more, Yeah, you know, as a thing, because like there was a time when, um, you know, I got a subscription to whatever the one they make you get at GameStop. <laughs> game uh, informer for, yeah game informer for a little while and like it just there's like a cheapness to yeah. magazines before they hit this kind of 
hey, point where they're hey, at now. You bought some used games. You know, you, you have yeah. this uh, $55 game. You you can get $5.50 off if you just get this game former thing, Gary. Like, yeah. you, you, like you're, you're, you're going to get 10% off for a year, okay? And you're going to get this magazine. Like, you don't even have to get it mailed to you. Like, you can take it the digital one. I'm just I'm just telling you, it's like in your best interest. I sold those things for eight fucking years. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate being sold anything. Yep. The one time I got that, though, was... Because uh, and it was like one of the best salesmen I've ever had. It was like a super <laughs> chill dude, and he was. Uh, I bought a bunch of stuff used, uh-huh. um, and I sold a bunch of stuff used. I think at the same time, and and he was like, he started going in on his thing, and he you know started doing the the spiel a little bit, and I'm like, yeah. no, 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 but 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 he got you Leave because you got, alone, you, you get you got extra value on the trade in and also I got it on for the, free. On the purchase. Yeah, like it like it ended up being cost neutral, and he's like, well, all right, well it'd be free, and I was like, wait, a minute. <laughs> you know, and then he got me, and I got the. Subscription. Yeah, no. but those things went directly into the recycling bin after like paging through them once because it was a really bad magazine. So, so like the thing about Game Informer, there was an awful lot of like publisher to publication um, kind of pipeline stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of great things. Mostly, it was at the back couple of pages in their retro features. Their retro features are actually really good, or at least mm. they were at the time when I was subscribed to them, because if you had no subs at the end of the day um, and you didn't have a subscription as an employee, guess what? You were giving up $15 to <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> yep. How many subscriptions did you own? Oh, just the one. I I, I, I took a stand, but no, that, right. that that one night was very unpleasant. That, that, was, that was one way that, you know, <laughs> I made up there. Boy, what a... Yep. No, what, what, what a nightmare operation that entire thing is. Again, yeah. going back to retail and capitalism, which I didn't expect to be kind of like themes for this episode, <laughs> but we are. Yeah, but it's just like, it's it's kind of, you know, it wasn't the sole thing that made this die, but like it has kind of degraded. It's the erosion that happens across a bunch of this stuff. It's a very pervasive force. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I feel pretty good. I think, you know. I feel pretty good with where we're at with this. Yeah, no, we, yeah. we we went places we didn't expect to go. I had a tremendous amount of fun reaching uh, researching for this, um, looking back through the magazines, um, you know, like finding familiar names in my EGMs, all of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's been very fun to go back and look through it, and it has kind of lit this fire for me. And like, again, kind of picking up, you know, that first those first few years, and just kind of having them around. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, get a get some magazine racks and just having this thing because there's something to the lack of commitment to a to a magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and that's uh, that's appealing. Yeah. Spend flip through it. Into it. time for a book. Um, <laughs> yeah. So thanks for, for going on this journey with us. Um, you know, there like there is a version of, you know, this kind of thing that is more historically rigorous, probably. Yep. Um, and also more feature complete. That's like in this year they introduced this and in this year they introduced this. Um, you know, that that's hard to do. And now the archive is off. And even the archive that was on was not all inclusive. Right. You know, we gave Nintendo a lot of shit. Uh, I would love to be able to read all these, um, but we were unable to to do so. Right. Um, so hopefully you, you feel good about this episode as well if you're listening to this. Yep. Um, what are we doing next time, Cole? Well, Gary, next time we are doing our first uh, listener-demanded episode, our executive-produced episodes, with Tomb Raider, which was uh, recommended, uh, suggested, slash demanded by Allison um, who is a longtime uh, friend of us, and uh, I'm excited to talk about this. I've played the first yeah. uh, kind of four or five uh, levels, and there's something going on here. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. Um, there are there are dark clouds on the horizon for me, <laughs> where I'm like I'm into it right now, but I am getting a little bit like a little fatigued. Yep. Um, and it is a little longer than I want it to be, but it's not a train wreck. You know, 
it's no shadow of memories, which <laughs> you know, returning to the, the PS one era has been hit and miss for us. Right. You know, if it's not a grand slam, it's been tricky. Um, so I am, uh, but there's the things that does that are interesting are really interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, after that, we are doing our survival horror game. Yes, we are. Or this spring. Uh, and we are doing dead space. Yeah. So, uh, this is kind of a weird companion to our resident evil four episode. Like this is very much a, uh, um, a successor to that. Um, at least in terms of being a more action based horror game, but it's plenty scary itself. Um, I think Dead Space as a series does a lot of really cool stuff, um, and it kind of suffered for being part of the generation that it was. But um, Dead Space One is uh, is a really great thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have not played it. Hmm. I started playing. It's right in my alley. It sounds like something I would like. Um, I started playing it and then got, you know, ran into the first piece of friction or whatever, and then stopped. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I am looking forward to actually giving it a real shot because yeah. it's something that everyone has told me is really good. And, uh, I am legit curious about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I don't know what we're doing after that. Actually, we haven't, we haven't discussed it because that is going to go right around. So dead space is coming out when we are going to be at the, uh, uh, classic at the mm-hmm. uh, Mid- Midwest gaming uh, convention. Um, uh, do you want to do SSX after that? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, yeah, and we get when, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, you heard it here, folks. Here, first, <laughs> folks. Right in the air. And we, we got to talk about the convention too. Yes. So, um, we're doing Dead Space, uh, right around then. So, mm-hmm. April 7th, 8th, and 9th, right? Yeah. Dead Space uh, is coming out the day before that whole thing starts. Yes. Um, we're doing our live appearance for the year that's not Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got that Patreon stretch goal a long time ago. Um, so last year we were in Austin, um, but we're trying to diversify and hit different parts of the country. And um, this year we are doing the Midwest Gaming Classic. Um, in, uh, Wisconsin, yep. Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, their, Wisconsin. Uh, at their Sheraton. Absolutely. Um, it is a small, smaller show mm-hmm. than we've done in the past. And um, we're kind of spoiled by Portland. Yep. Uh, I say that to let you guys know, we'd really like to see you. Yes. Um, we're doing this. It is less of a marketing thing for us, which these things kind of, they function as that as much as I feel gross talking about marketing. Like one of the reasons we do this is to have people come by the table and see us. Yeah. Um, this is largely to meet people in this section of the country. Yes. Um, so, you know, I understand any amount of travel is not trivial. You mm-hmm. know, travel sucks. But if you're anywhere nearby, we'd really appreciate have the, the chance to come out and have you guys uh, show up and, and meet you. Yeah. So if you're in Chicago, Indianapolis, Minneapolis, uh, some places in Canada, I I am led to believe that uh, that Ontario is near there. Um, Des Moines City. Yeah. Uh, swing by. We would love to meet you. It is always a good time. It's never not been a good time. And uh, mm-hmm. I will hug you yes <laughs> the, the, um and i will give you a dry hug <laughs> so <laughs> uh we don't know what our table game is going to be you for can, that you can hug cole and then i'll dry you off it'll be like a line <laughs> your car wash uh, we don't know what our table game is going to be just yet uh but uh watch our social media uh for that we, we, have, we have a couple ideas we'll we'll announce yeah. it very soon and we'll also announce a meetup and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our sh- live show is on Sunday if you only have time to travel. For one, we don't have the exact time yet, though they're figuring it out. Right. Um, yeah, and I think uh, – I'm pretty sure Retronauts are going to be there this year. Yeah. Um, which is really great. So if you uh, if that sweetens the pot <laughs> for you, come come see those guys as well. Yeah. Uh, your friends and ours. Yeah. Um, and in case it wasn't clear, um, after Dead Space, because of that travel commitment, we're going to be doing a, uh, a sports game, uh, SSX Tricky. Yes, which is something I've wanted to revisit for a while. I started playing uh, Tony Hawk three again and I was like, man, we can't just do another Tony Hawk game this soon. 
Um, but I like extreme sports games. This soon, four years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Tony Hawk is a very iterative ser- series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The shitty thing about it is if we ever did another Tony Hawk, it would make sense to do like Tony Hawk Underground 2. But that's a way worse game. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. object suffering. It's just different. <laughs> yeah. that, that's a good idea. Like that would give me a chance to, to play some Tony Hawk and then we could talk <laughs> about it there. So let's we'll do that maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, SSX Tricky, mm-hmm. a uh, early like PS2 kind of uh, stalwart series. Yes. And uh, one I have a lot of affection for. Yeah. Boy, I hope um, you're ready to hear that song a lot. Yeah, there's, there's the one song. Uh, we have to we have to do a, like a pull up on the old soundtrack. Yeah. After after yeah. that, because we had uh, Shadow Destiny uh, this episode, which has I'm going to put in the commercial for Nintendo Power. Right. That song. Right. That's the only song that makes sense. Uh, Tomb Raider, not no great shakes there yep. music wise. Uh, Dead Space, I don't know. To be fair, uh, but I bet that, that, Space is okay. Yeah, it's yeah. it's ambient and, electronica like horror music. Yeah. And then SSX, that's like that's the longest run we've had without a. This is us doing penance for Mega Man and Castlevania Symphony of the Night. <laughs> like, this is the longest like shitty soundtrack run we've had. <laughs> yeah. So we we got we got to really pull up soundtrack wise after that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're 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 pulling up in general. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you uh, if you like the show, um, you know the only reason why we did this episode as it is is because it was voted on by patrons. Mm-hmm. You go to patreon.com forward slash duckvtv. You too can patronize us even as little as a dollar gets you a vote. And if you want to say, oh, you're doing such a good job, <laughs> uh, you can go onto iTunes um, and leave us a rating or review or uh, talk about us on social media. So you, yeah, can, you, can, you can patron, you, you can patronize or patronize us everywhere and we would appreciate it. Yeah, it is. Uh, that is a, a fantastic thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we didn't really mention this, but if you have things to say about Tomb Raider, SSX or Dead Space, hit us up at DuckFeedTV uh, forward slash contact. Yep. Uh, now is the time. Yes. Um, yeah. And then ratings, reviews, things like that are all very, very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still time to get the Diggity Duck bundle. Uh, there's time forever. Yeah. That until we die <laughs> or the servers die. Um, entropy takes us all. If you go to duckfeed.tv forward slash store, mm-hmm. um, you can see this is a charity bundle we did with one episode of all of our currently running shows. Um, it is $10 minimum and all proceeds go to charity. Yes. If you like this show, we did an episode about Pac-Man 2. And Gary, I like that episode a lot. Yeah, I think that was a good one. Yeah. So... Yeah, cool. I think that's probably about it. Just about. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were down for the ride. If you had no idea what we were talking about, I hope that you at least understood a little bit. Uh, We're going to be back with games next time. But it was a lot of fun to go back and visit these magazines from our youths. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Until next time, uh, what should they watch out for? Uh, They should watch out for Nestor. Watch out for the dealer. (laughs) Here's my pick. (laughs) 